Currently, it's, I don't know, what do you think? 62? Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> uh, Ross Ta- Township could uh, soon ban residents from intentionally feeding deer living in the area. I am 100% in favor of that. Yeah. Who's doing that? Yeah, who's doing this? A lot of people. If like So many people want to get a Facebook moment or something, and they're like, handing deer but pieces what you- of bread. Yeah, I was so going to say, what a deer eat. They don't... <laughs> They don't need like bagel bits or anything like that. <laughs> right. You have to have like elderberries or something. They might though. Some of your own flowers. Township commissioners introduced <laughs> an ordinance last night citing concerns about the animals spreading diseases and potentially attacking people who get too close. As the uh, recipient of a deer attack, uh, being on the receiving end of one of those, I can tell you right now, you don't want to be. You were? I was in Bird Park. I, I, I took, oh, yeah. I had two dogs. This was a long time ago. But I had two dogs. One of them was a husky that was a badass. And one of them was uh, my, my Border Collie Spaniel mix, who was an alpha, thought he could take, you know, he was like a, a sheriff right. kind of dog, you know. And uh, they both flushed this uh, fawn out of the bush. And Uh-oh. the mama deer came after us. Oh, So I'm standing on the path. And I got the mama deer just staring at me. And it's like literally doing the bull thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the dogs are going crazy. And neither of them are going at the deer. And I knew I was in trouble then. I'm like, oh, man. If you guys aren't going to attack it, I certainly <laughs> exactly. am not. Exactly. Don't wait for me to make the first move here. Well, <laughs> they, uh, like, one of them got hit by the deer when she, uh, in the initial chase. Like, she must have stomped on, right. like, their kidney or something. And they're like, yeah, uh-uh. Not going back <laughs> over there. heavier than I thought. <laughs> and they were standing behind me barking. And I was, like, yelling at the deer. And like at one point, I considered calling the cops, but I didn't know what you would say. Like, <laughs> can you please help me? No, there's a deer yes. giving me a stern like, look. Uh, it's fluffy. It's six foot tall. It's adorable. Help me! It's gonna kill me. <laughs> and then I realized there was a house that was connected to the park where people could see me yelling at this deer. (laughs) And I was in this showdown with the deer. It was terribly embarrassing. And it ended with I picked up like a big stick. And just threw it as hard as I could at her, and uh, it smacked her and made a noise. I think like the, a thud. Yeah, I think the noise oh. Oh, oh, scared. Oh. Her. And she ran enough to clear the path, so I could like high step it through. And I was like, "That's it. That's enough for the day." The entire thing took ten minutes. I got the dogs back in the car. Like from the time I left the car to the time I was back, about ten minutes. The dogs, you would have thought they ran the Pittsburgh Marathon. They were like, like fell asleep ha, immediately. Ha, 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 holy sh- what was that? Oh my god. Did you Oh my god. <laughs> so you don't want to be on the bad end of the deer attack. Commissioners are taking public comment on the proposal and will vote on it in July. Well, I hope they film that. The township voted down a similar ordinance in 2008. They want to feed their deer up there apparently. Wow, they voted down. Jeez. There's one thing we're we're known for up here. We're deer feeders. My pappy was a deer feeder. My grandpappy was a deer feeder. They eat everything. You don't have to feed them. If you have a hosta, they are coming right in there. They're coming into your yard. I mean, they've eaten shrubs of my neighbors all the way down to the nub. Yeah. I have a lot of hunter friends, and they basically said, like, the, the real way to start thinking about deer, if you're a little reluctant about the cullings and the hunting and everything like that, is he goes, they're essentially big rats. 
they carry the same amount of disease, they eat all the same garbage, like they're yeah. a total nuisance, but they're just, you know, Bambi was made, so we can't, you know, shoot them in the face, basically. <laughs> right. They are rats. Thanks a lot, Walt. May 23rd is officially Stormy Daniels Day. That's today. Don't feed her. Stormy Daniels Day <laughs> in West Hollywood. She uh, will these, attack. She's disease carrying. The adult film star will be given a key to the city. To honor her involvement in the current movement against sexual assault. Who's doing that? West Hollywood. Oh, okay. You know, it's, yeah. you know, WeHo, the biggest, yeah. you know, freaks in the country. Daniels is currently in a legal battle with President Trump and his attorney, Michael Cohen. She is fighting to get out of the non-disclosure agreement she signed in 2016 that prevents her from speaking out about her alleged affair with Trump. Mm-hmm. Wait, so she's getting, what is the, per, she's getting it for recognition for her work as a proponent against sexual harassment? That's sexual assault, which, who sexually assaulted her? I don't know. She said in the 60 minute interview, they were like, so to be clear, it was consensual. And she was like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think this is supposed to be connected to that event. It's just a veiled way of propping her up. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I also believe she has made strides in the industry to protect women against uh, maybe. it. I think it's maybe supposed to be sort is. of separate from that, but since she's so famous now because of the other thing, uh, it just all kind of tied in. Uh, West Hollywood is, you know, not exactly Kansas. I was going to say. Khloe <laughs> Kardashian reportedly wants to look past Tristan Thompson's cheating scandal and marry him. Great idea. Super great. People report someone close to the reality star says she is happier than ever with the NBA player. Yeah, right after he gets caught cheating, that's when he's going to be really, really good. That she's, doesn't last very long. She's extremely happy with the ratings that this is drawing. <laughs> right. Well, really, that's what it is. Her mom said it would be a good idea to keep this propped up. Thompson was uh, seen taking another woman back to a hotel room in photos that surfaced two days before Kardashian gave birth to the couple's daughter. Neither of them have publicly addressed the photos. That is bad timing. Listen, I know that they have like, uh, you know, professional leaks in their PR organization. But at the same time, when whenever you hear like people close to the family say that I would just hope that if any of my, if I was ever embroiled in a scandal and like, you know, my college roommate got a call, he'd just be like, get the hell out of here. Right. He's a good dude. People close to Mr. Wednesday said nothing <laughs> yeah. because people actually like, like him. him. Yeah. He's got a support network. People close to is their publicist. Don't identify me. Here's the message we're sending right. out. People close to Mr. Wednesday would be Mr. Tuesday, probably Mrs. Thursday. <laughs> You'd be screwed. <laughs> uh, Elton John is set to join Song Data Hub oddly as an official ambassador for the startup company. Never heard of this. Don't know what it is. Oddly? I'm guessing it's a Spotify type thing. They're but a little late to the party on that one. It says song right. song data or data. In a press release, the Your Song Singer said it was time for musicians to manage the metadata more efficiently and manages the challenges of getting paid correctly. Well, all right. Hey, I'm not mad at them for this. It is tough. These guys don't get paid. The Swedish company aims to solve the problem of accurately identifying and paying songwriters for stream compositions. I was listening to the... Uh, Steve Ma Stephen Malkmus album that came out the other day. He used to be the singer for Pavement. You know, he's got like a small indie band thing going for the last 40 years. He's kind of an indie darling. Mm -hmm. Kind of a, mm -hmm. almost, a, you know, sort of an elder 
of the independent scene at this point. And I was thinking about how he must approach recording records now because there's no money in it for him. There's no way he's going to have a hit song. There's no way it's going to sell millions of records. It's going to sell to his fan base and maybe will pay for itself. I saw something that was on Reddit and they were asking, it was like an ask Reddit about for musicians. It was like, what's, what do you think about all the streaming thing? And some, somebody who they, they didn't remain or they didn't identify themselves, but they basically said like, I'm a decently large, you know, musician and here's how it works. They said, you know, the best thing for anybody to do, obviously, is to buy our album somehow, like buy it on iTunes, buy it, you know, wherever, but it's actually purchased because we get, you know, out of the 99 cent charge, we get, you know, 79 cents for every song that's sold. He goes, the next best is Spotify because we get like even, a, you know, a, a half of a quarter of a penny every time it's played. The worst is YouTube. And he goes, the YouTube, unfortunately, is the most accessible. It's the one that everybody uses. But he goes, we'd get like less than practically nothing for a, a, a stream on, on YouTube. Maybe and there's, I'm there's doing, millions of hits. Maybe I'm doing it wrong, but YouTube seems the clunkiest of all of them. because Oh, no question. You have to switch the damn video. It is, but the search for some reason, you're just used to searching on YouTube. I think that's, yeah. what's, that's what makes it the first thing that, okay. that pops up with it. Because when I hear people talk about playing songs off YouTube, I mean, I know they're there, and occasionally I'll find one. Uh, but I don't, it's, you know, if I'm sitting around listening to music, I'm not like, let's just uh, throw it on YouTube. No, I, would I open that, an app that I already have. Right. I either do iTunes, iHeartRadio, hey. which is really the best of it's all of the them. the best app. <laughs> and easiest to navigate. So easy to download. Really. But <laughs> YouTube, I don't even think about doing it because you no. have to, you have to well, manage well, it while other, you're listening. I think they're trying to change that. You know they're trying to make it more accessible. They they have an app now. There's YouTube Red or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. But they the other problem with YouTube is that you don't even know who uploaded that song. It could be like, you know, some dude in his basement that's lo loading Led Zeppelin songs, and Led Zeppelin's never going to get any of that advertising revenue. Right. I hope that Swedish music company. I hope you don't have to put the music together, because if it's <laughs> anything like IKEA, I'm not interested. Okay, here's the bass clef. Yeah. Here's the guitar solos. Just put it together yourself. It's real simple. <laughs> uh, the Stones, they're currently in the midst of their 14-show No Filter UK tour. I told you, um, I saw the Rolling Stones in London and like many years ago with my sister when she was working over there, and we were all excited about it. Well, first we screwed up. We thought it was Wembley Stadium, and it was Wembley Arena. Yeah, I went and, to the wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that was bad. Wembley. But, well, we were just dressed for rain. We're like, it's cool. We're going to be, you know out in the rain and nobody on the train had rain gear on and we're like uh oh so we go and we were the ugly americans people were sitting down at a rolling stones show and we're like you know standing up like hey you get off my car nobody nobody's gonna stand up well hey you sit down in your seat to be fair though i feel like when you travel that amount of distance you're going to amp up your enthusiasm. If they just took it's it, the, the train over, they're not going to be amped right. up completely as opposed to spending thousands of dollars just trekking to see that band. Yeah. <laughs> right. We'd flown across the pond. And they just came from Gloucesterberry or yeah. wherever they came from. A Newberry. Some guy like with a like sweater tied around his neck like said something to us like, you know, like, I sure do admire the pluck of you, yanks. <laughs> you know. Like, please sit down. Oh, my God. This house has a drawbridge for sure. But then we met a guy in a metal band, and he, he kind of said, he's like, come over here. There's a few of us thrashing, and we went over with his crew, and 
it, that that made it a lot better. Yeah. But uh, at any rate, the Stones, uh, they uh, played. Come over here. We're doing crazy stuff like standing. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are ready for this. Our section is crazy. If we stand now, I mean, what's next? We're going to jump? We're going to scream? Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's slow it down. We're not going to jump. Baby steps. Baby Nobody steps. wants to get hurt here. <laughs> I heard standing is a transition activity. <laughs> standing is a gateway movement. <laughs> It's a gateway movement. Uh, they're in London, and uh, they're going to stay there for three shows through Friday. Last night's 19-song set. That seems light, but I guess that's what they played here last time. Uh, they got they a- have so many songs, they could do a four-hour concert, and you would recognize every tune. Yeah, Street Fighting Man was what they kicked it off with, ended with the song that began their band's career. Satisfaction run is scheduled to wrap up in Warsaw July 8th. And uh, finally, a new company is looking to enhance Los Angeles's tourism experience. The company is catering to cannabis enthusiasts who visit L.A. by providing marijuana bus tours. Okay. This is not a great idea. The owner of the Green Line says interest, get it, interest in pot tourism has soared since weed was legalized in California. The marijuana tours are currently offered in L.A. and Santa Monica. You got to figure the people that take this tour, there's going to be a decent percentage that freak out or can't take it or get weird. (laughs) And now they're on a bus. But what is the the tour like? I don't don't think anybody's attention span, if they're smoked out completely, is going to be that great for the landmarks of Los Angeles. Really, what would be effective is that they just got on a tour bus and talked about the ending of Fight Club. (laughs) They'd really appreciate that. A three-hour breakdown of Fight Club. I just, uh, I find it all interesting. I don't know how many people are all of a sudden going to delve into smoking pot. As I've said many times on this show, I think people find it easier to eat a brownie or a cookie, and they think, oh, well, I'll wade into the waters this way, and let's see if this gets me drunk, and that is way more psychoactive. I mean, that's more like jumping in the Black Lagoon. (laughs) Yeah, really. You're not just dipping a toe in. Yeah. So uh, just always be careful with your edibles. It is Wednesday. You shake at his touch, and you tremble at what he might say. This morning... And you're fitting, foggy this version Mr. after the storm. Well, you found him. Yes, you're looking for Mr. Wednesday. Oh, Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, hanging out with us this morning, and uh, it is crappy out there right now. It's a little little foggy post storm. It was a crazy thunderstorm we got oh yeah last night yeah the sky had that electricity had that weird coloring it was really cool slash like ominous hopefully i don't get it yeah (laughs) hopefully four horsemen don't come barreling through the sky (laughs) you know what if they did i'd be like i was expecting you (laughs) what took you so long would you see the four horsemen from a long ways away or did they just kind of burst through hmm I, I think know. they got a burst. I've always had that conversation about like things that are scary. Like at, at night, would you rather be stuck in like a corn maze with something after you, or in just like an open grassy field where you can see where it. you can see it coming? I'll take oh. the grassy field. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, just the the <laughs> the absolute like fear that would brush over me in a cornfield. The undead have great aerobic capacity 
They really don't Good get long tired. Jumpers. Yeah, that's true. They're not su- they're not sprinters. No. But they but they're they they can run forever. Pa- pace. They got good pace. Yeah. <laughs> There's something very terrifying about their pace. They're in it for the long haul. They're kind of loping around, but it just never stops right towards you. <laughs> so the corn maze, I would feel like I don't want to worry about which way to go and the thing. Well, that yeah. was it was always that what was the movie with Mel Gibson, uh the signs? There was a lot of corn mazing in that, and that's what always stuck in my head is I was like, I don't know if I just want to be grabbed and then uh, that'd be it or see the hulking, looming figure of death drifting towards me across an open field. <laughs> have you ever seen, speaking of Mel Gibson, have you ever seen the the Mel Gibson movie Apocalypto? Yeah. Oh, it's the best. It's like a two-hour chase scene. It's the best. Yeah. That is an under way way underrated movie. My heart was pounding like I yeah. that I've had dreams that are like that where you're just being chased relentlessly through a, a dead jungle. Sprint. That movie is so good. I watched it without um, sound. It, you don't need sound. Yeah, it's all no. There's very little dialogue. It was on at a bar, and I was like, "What is this?" At and a I just, bar. Yeah, like it was just Kinda on some TV. It was yeah. like a beach bar, and uh, it was <laughs> like you know, it must have been on TV, whatever. And uh, I was like, what is this? And I stayed and watched it for like 90 minutes. I'm like, this is unbelievable. So good. Yeah. Incredible. You had to have a couple of Modellos with that one. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the last night of, uh, of a vacation. So you're just like winding down, staring at a Mel Gibson movie. He's been making a comeback in Hollywood. As improbable as that may sound. Somebody, they wrote an article that they were like, uh, they were talking about the passion of the Christ, I think. And it was basically a Jewish writer saying like, Okay, let's be completely honest here. This is an incredible movie. And he like despite all the controversy, not only personally with him but about the movie, he was just like technically speaking, right. this is like a masterful work that's just getting glossed over because of all the the shenanigans that he was going through. In terms right. of biblical takes, it's Braveheart with Jesus. Yeah, but a lot of Jewish people did not enjoy the fact that he really sort of uh Solidified, laying the blame, double, double uh, down on the right. uh, on yeah. the yeah, the Christ killing yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. He so I I mean I know he's a super talented filmmaker. He holds some pretty reprehensible beliefs. I mean the stuff that he believes in, not just what he has said, it's what he's you know what he actually believes. Not like oh I got drunk and I called somebody sugar bleep and I said that <laughs> the you know. The Jews you run everything. Make me want to smoke. Yeah, and I was abusive and all that other <laughs> That's stuff. That's one of my favorite lines ever. <laughs> he had to have just quit smoking when he said that. But it doesn't matter that he holds those beliefs or he said those things. It's Hollywood and he's coming back. It's, you know, they let flipping um, Roman Polanski. Polanski. Get an Oscar after everybody knew what he did. I feel like that's just the debate with all the stuff that's coming out with these very talent, you know, talented, but you know, generally horrible people is that the, you know, the conversation is, can you enjoy the work or is the work still good? Separate the work from and the people, artist. you know, who say no, I always have a tough time with that because it's like Ty Cobb, Ty Cobb, the baseball player was one of the worst human beings ever <laughs> yeah, in right. existence, yeah. but that didn't stop him from having a great batting average. Like he still is undeniably a great baseball player. And he's still like an icon of the sport. I can watch a Woody Allen movie. I, I find him kind of uh, a reprehensible guy, but I can't watch the Cosby show. Yeah. So there's degrees well, of it there for me. There is degrees of it. Yeah, that's true. I've thought about this, and I, I want to have like a, a 
purge hours yeah. where I just open the floodgates and listen to Cosby albums and watch Woody Allen movies and just don't think about it at all. I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. I mean, The Pianist is a, a wonderful film. Adrian Brody is unbelievable. Like the 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 movie is so beautiful. But but he's a monster. Yes. Roman Polanski, not a good guy. But when he's the director and you're not you don't have to look at him right. on camera, yeah. it's a little easier to digest. That's, yeah. That's true. Yeah, but like look at like even Woody Allen is still currently making movies and people are in them. Yeah. Oh, big big stars. Yeah, That's why it was interesting one. one of the people they showed uh, during Asia Argento's fiery speech at Cannes Film Festival this past weekend, condemning Harvey Weinstein, yeah, her attacker, one of the shots the camera panned to was Kate Blanchett, and she caught a ton of crap for working with Woody Allen because, you know, if she would have said, like, yeah, I, I wouldn't have done it again, and I guess I was naive or something, if she tried to acknowledge it and say that it was wrong, she might have got away with it. But what she said was, I didn't even know about those allegations at the time. I mean, Blue Jasmine was, what, 2008? Right. It's just not plausible no. that she didn't know. Right. All right, Mike's got your sports coming up when we come back here on the DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. And OTA's underway. OTA's underway. The NFL contemplating some significant rule changes. And uh, the Pirates still losing ballgames. Sports is our brought <laughs> to you by... <laughs> Xfinity from Comcast. Jameson Tyone had strikeout stuff last night in Cincinnati. He fanned eight through six innings. The problem was the fifth inning. That was the inning in which Tyone was reached for a grand slam by Red second baseman Scooter Jeanette. That turned a two to one nail biter into a six to one laugher. The Pirates go on to lose seven to two. But they walk Votto to load the bases, right? Like to a foot, they they intentionally walked Votto. I forget how that that played out. I was watching it half astly, <laughs> <laughs> and then he just gives up a grand salami. It was like, oh, to yeah. scooter backbreaker, and he's still looking for his first win since that one hit shot out of the Reds on April the eighth. Tyone uh. falls to two and four with a four point five six ERA. That's starting to become concerning because the Pirates need Jamison Tyone to be there horse of the rotation they they need to win the games he pitches whether he gets the win or not what was he scared of Votto for pitched well against him Votto's, up to that point Votto's pretty good so is Jeanette though he's surprising power for uh a guy named Scooter Scooter uh yeah Scooter's not a guy that you're worried about Scooter has uh doubled in or, or, or grounded into uh six double plays and uh, has only walked nine times this season. So I think that was uh, Clint Hurdle's thinking there. Well, he walked around the bases last night. <laughs> <laughs> Colin Moran hit his fourth for the Pirates, and Austin Meadows, another dinger in the seventh inning, his Dang. second. Austin Meadows. Too many outfielders, not enough pitchers, I guess, is the uh, way this is right. breaking down. Can we teach him to pitch? <laughs> Bucks Maybe fall. play the secondary? Bucks <laughs> and be the net front presence guy. Uh, Bucks fall to 26 and 21. They've got another one in Cincinnati tonight. Chad Cole, 4 and 2, with a 4.53 ERA against Homer Bailey. 1 and 6, 6.11. A lot going on on the south side yesterday. Uh, the Steelers having OTA number one. And uh, 
All eyes were on Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph, as you might expect, given all the drama that has uh, preceded the opening of OTAs. Uh, for the record, Ben Roethlisberger said that he has not yet been asked anything by Mason Rudolph, but he's thrown his two cents in where he sees appropriate, and he hopes that uh, Rudolph's okay with that. And Roethlisberger cited an example of a little bootleg pass to Roosevelt Nix that Rudolph threw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and Nix didn't catch it. <laughs> and Roethlisberger said, hey, you don't have to show us how strong your arm is every throw. Things of that nature. So he's, you can touch pass it at some point. Yeah. He also talked about the strength of Rudolph's arm uh, overthrowing Antonio Brown on a deep ball. Yeah. Hard, <laughs> it's hard to do. I don't know if he was trying to point out that it was hard to do or that, or that he overthrew. Over feel, if those were the two comments, I feel like that's super passive aggressive right yeah. there. Like, hey, you don't have to show everybody how strong your arm is. We get it. Yeah, you have a strong Mr. 24 year old. You don't have to comb your hair for practice and show everyone how good looking you are. <laughs> I mean, I'm still taller than you. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think Ben did get a little bit of a. Uh, um, uh, I think I, I think people misconstrued what he was trying to say. I, I don't think he should have said anything about Mason Rudolph in anywhere near the context that he did if he wanted to stay out of any hot water. But he, he was joking when he's like, I don't know, maybe I'll tell him to look at the playbook. He said he doesn't need me yeah. to help him. He was yeah, like trying to joke. You See, know, you should like, stop doing that because he know- <laughs> repeatedly we can't tell if he's joking or not. I, so he's not good enough at it to... I 100% agree with you. I'm telling you, in that particular conversation, he was definitely trying to make a joke. He was trying to make light of it. But I think that, you know, obviously it failed. And when he says people took him out of context, a lot of times, you know, people say that and they haven't been taken out of context. But in this particular instance, he really might have just been trying to bust the guy's chops. And he doesn't owe him any degree of, like, we're on the same level. I'll treat you as a peer. Like, not yet. He doesn't owe him that. The kid earns it. So it's okay for him to bust his balls. I think Ben is a Hall of Fame quarterback, but I don't think he's great at sarcasm. I 100% agree with Because no. like Mike said, it just doesn't come across. Like, the media constantly <laughs> I mean, misinterprets. I'll go, I'll go back to the maybe I don't have it anymore line last year when he was struggling. Right. I've covered his whole career. I, I did not know if he was kidding or not, so I reported what he said. Hey, maybe he was that frustrated at the time. And then he gets better and, and the numbers improve. <laughs> oh, of course I was joking. Well, not really. Well, what if, what if he takes it, it takes our advice and starts really laying on the sarcasm pretty thick, like, I don't know, maybe I should retire <laughs> next year. <laughs> well, it'd be easier to get the story right. Yeah. Least, I love least, not having Le'Veon Bell at training camp. He would have to re-explain these things on fewer occasions, which he seemingly every time he says something now, it's got to be corrected a month later. Oh, that's, of course, not what I meant. It was this, or it was taken out of context. Or well, you got, I thought he had a little bad rap for it on this one, um, but also he was inordinately upset about Mason Rudolph being drafted, and there was yeah. a good reason to be. When you, you could have just said, we didn't get better right now with Mason Rudolph. Yeah, that's all you got to say. And, and I only an have a few years left. that is left. an accurate statement. And that's it. Yeah. On we go. Uh, some on-the-field stuff. Uh, run defense is the clear focal point of the defense. Everybody I talked to yesterday brought that up. Why wouldn't they after what happened twice against Jacksonville last year? One of the uh, potential changes in the way they're going to try to scheme run defense is uh, a 4-3 look on on first down or a rundown. Uh, we've seen them in the 
four-man rush sub-package stuff for a long, long time. But uh, the 3-4 may be uh, on its way out. Uh, here's Bud Dupree talking about what they were doing on uh, first down slash rundowns yesterday. It, it just get like, it's, it's just 4-3. Like, basically, it's just a 4-3. We got, so, like, two of the cam will be the DN. Then one of us will be the other DN. And one of us will turn into a, a wheelbacker. On the run, we know it's going to be a run sometimes. You know, in uh, short yardage situations on, on check down play, we'll be able to rally around the ball real fast. You know, we don't usually try to do it in a lot of password situations, just try to do it, be able to stop the run. Yeah, when he says one They're of talking us. talking faster. When he says one of us, he's talking <laughs> about the outside linebackers. Instead of having three defensive linemen, one of the outside linebackers moves up and plays DN. The other one drops back and, and is kind of on the same uh, depth plane as the inside linebackers are, and it looks like a 4-3. And I'm assuming the one who rushes is going to be Bud Dupree and the one who drops back is going to be J.J.? I would not do that. I would, I would not assume that. Um, Bud Dupree did say he's going to flip sides more than he ever has. So left and right is kind of out the window. Uh, it's, it's a down-by-down down deal. Uh, Vince Williams is all for that. Uh, he is among those who believe the Steelers uh, must do a lot better job against the ground game than they did the last time we saw them on the field in January against Jacksonville. I mean, we just couldn't stop the run, obviously. That's what happened. Little Fredette's a great guy. You know, their offensive line catches a lot of slack. Bortles catches a lot of slack, but he's pretty good on the play action. And they were able to generate enough run where they could trick us with the play action because they really know it was coming. Turn the game into a 50-50 game, and they just executed. And they executed the Steelers. Game 7 tonight, <laughs> Caps at the Lightning, 8 o'clock on NBCSN. Uh, if you're into the numerology, uh, the team that scores first in 171 all-time Game 7s wins 74.3% of the time. Hmm. The home team wins 58.5% of the time. And uh, 41 of these 171 Game 7s in NHL history have gone to overtime. Wow, only 58% for the home team. That's that's a lot closer than I thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. that first goal is monster. Monster big. Hmm. Winner gets Vegas for the Stanley Cup. Vegas is just relaxing. All right, more with Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, coming up a little bit later on this morning. Mark Madden, Double M, Jerry Dulac with a report from OTAs. And Ben's mentorship begins. You know, this guy may not, I don't know. We've had other quarterbacks drafted high that, uh, you know, Josh Dobbs was a fourth-round draft pick. He's probably not going to be on the team anymore. Probably not. It, it is interesting. The quarterback dynamic is probably different, like it is in a lot of aspects, than everything else. But you, old... Steelers love to tell those stories of, you know, Mike Logan mentoring Troy Polamalu and Brett Kiesel. Uh, just the, the adulation for how he was treated by Aaron Smith and Kimo Von Olhoff. And when he, you know, old guys teach the young guys. It's right. kind of a kind of an unspoken policy, if you will. And maybe it doesn't apply to quarterbacks. Terry Bradshaw didn't throw his arm around Mark Malone. Come here, fella. Let me show you how everything works around here. <laughs> hey, that's a great mustache you got there. <laughs> I'll keep a double cover thrown anyway. It's the DVE Morning Show. Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, hanging out with us, as he always does, on Wednesdays. Visitors at the Pittsburgh Zoo can now catch a glimpse of exotic animals from way up top. That's right, a bird's eye view, so to speak. They have debuted a zip line at the Pittsburgh Zoo. It's going to be a unique experience for everyone, uh, <laughs> said Tracy Gray, their PR manager. The attraction allows, this is straight from the Post-Gazette's reporting on this. 
The attraction allows participants to cruise 25 feet above the ground for 170 feet, crossing multiple exhibits. Ooh. That was my first question. Does it go over the enclosures? Yes, but not over... Which ones? Not the painted dogs. (laughs) Not anything... Where they've not the elephants or not? I don't want to get in there with the monkeys or the seals or anything. Well, what you go across the giraffes, even the deer. So you're only going (laughs) 12 miles per hour. So it's you know kind of a uh, leisurely yes zip. Now it's the jungle odyssey that you will be flying over the tropical forest and African savanna. So that includes giant anteaters. Pygmy hippopotamuses. Ooh. How do you say the name? Is it capybaras? Yeah. Those will be below you. Okay, so these are all small, fuzzy-ish type things. If you fell, they'd be terrified. Yeah. Yeah. They would not tear you to pieces. Not as terrified as I'd be of them. (laughs) Children, six years of age and over, are welcome to try out. Now, here's where I think we're going to run into a little bit of trouble. If you've ever done a zip line, you know... There are there's a weight barrier. You can you, you can't be too heavy. And the weight restriction for this zip line is 250 pounds. Mm-hmm. How many people do you so know? You're saying it's going to be short lines. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to jump right up, no problem. <laughs> right. How many people you know around 250 think they're 230? That is definitely true. But 250 is, uh, that's a pretty stout human being. It's a big feller. Yeah. I'm not but saying it, I don't know you... a lot of people that could bust that line, but uh, it, it takes a it takes a big dude. I don't know if you've been to the zoo recently, but uh, a lot of big dudes walking around. That's true. Uh, looking like they're just absolutely demolishing their shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should create a zip line that goes over Carson Street. So on the oh, weekends, you can yes. just zoom by and check out all of the madness. Those, those are the animals I want to see from far away. I'd have to be without outside of throwing distance, though, <laughs> right. because I wouldn't want to ge- be catching like some Miller Lite bottles to the right. side of the head as I'm <laughs> cruising down there. You know, there was a guy who had this idea a long time ago. He used to work for the Pirates, and I, I can't remember his name exactly. I have a good idea oh, what I it is. I know exactly what you're going to say. But I can't. I don't want to screw it up. Anyways, he worked for the Pirates, and he got fired from the Pirates because they caught him. Uh, he was playing with himself in his office, and they like warned him not to. And he had like an awesome office with a view of the field, and it was a beautiful field. To be fair, that is true, a sensual field. Yes, and the grounds crew was out there, and right. Hey, if there's Just... grass on the field, yeah. So he <laughs> play with your <laughs> Louisville Slugger. So he I was gonna say leaves there, balls. and he comes up with an idea, and <laughs> it was almost gonna happen. Uh, apparently, I, I guess almost is. That 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 is he had it arguable. He had it fleshed out, fleshed out, and there were people interested in making it happen. A zip line that went from Mount Washington over to the point. It got to the point. It got to the point. Uh, and the first reaction we all had was like, you know, he wants to masturbate up there. <laughs> but no, seriously though, think about taking that trip. Uh, but would you do? I did some hairy zip lines in Costa Rica years ago, and I don't know that I would do it again. The stuff I did then, I think, like when I got done with it, I was like, okay, I'm done doing this acrobatic stuff. I'm too old for that it. That sounds like something on Urban Dictionary. You want to try the hairy zip line? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm just not sure. Would well, that, that you, would you like- do it? 
from the point over. So you would be going from Mount Washington. That's pretty high. Oh my uh, god! It would be yeah, a downward yeah. That's what trajectory. I'm saying. Like the pitch on that doesn't make any sense. I feel like you'd be coming in at like 90 miles an hour and have to go into like a crash mat or something like that. That's what they right have. into the fountain. Yeah, they would have a tower for you. Well, listen, this is exactly why I never did the uh, the sky coaster at Kennywood. Is because mm-hmm. if I ever did, I would set a Guinness Book of World Records for the longest intermittent F word <laughs> in the entire history. <laughs> same way as that would be on the zip line. You just hear me like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's up over the racer now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's hitting the K's. He's over by the log jammer. <laughs> but what if during halftime at Heinz Field, they picked three or four people who got the zip line across Heinz Field from top to scoreboard, like from West End Zone over to from the scoreboard? From the Bud Light party deck. You'd yeah. have to make it a pierogi race or something like that. Like a pierogi gets a little bit of a head start, and then the other two have to beat him. I don't know. I always think about things... In, in the absolute worst-case scenario, like, do I want to die like that? <laughs> and the answer a lot of the times is, no, I, do, no, I don't want to die like that. Right. That's why I don't do the the Sky Coaster. <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> that's why I don't want to die like that. I don't want to die where the people are doing the paddle boats. But see, like, even if just you... watching me eating a square ice cream cone. <laughs> But even if you fell in, what is that? I guess it's the Ohio at that point, right? If you'd be ziplining over that, mm-hmm. is like, have you ever been walking across and be like, I think I could swim that thing? Yeah. And the answer is absolutely you could not. No. And you'd be swept away to Swickley and drowned at Neville Island by then. But it's, it, everybody has had a couple pops in them walking across the bridge being like, I could, if I fell in, I'd be fine. Not to mention, if you fell from a zip line, the reason you would fall would be because the entire zip line collapsed because you are like 260 pounds, totally <laughs> fastened into that thing. So now, when you have fallen into the water, you are falling with a straight jacket on. Ugh. Like just the harness Ooh. is going to be around you as you're in the water. Further complicating matters. No, no, I'm all set. Mm. No, so you- I mean the, you know the, I don't know the appeal is there, like the idea of it is intriguing. I think taking your kids to the zoo to do this, they're going to lose their minds. They're going to want to do it so bad. They're going to wait in line all day to do it. They will be so fired up to fly across. Imagine when you were a kid, if someone said, hey, do you want to get on a zip line and fly across a bunch of the tops of the animal exhibits? I'll tell you what would be useful for parents is if they put it on like the back quarter of the zoo when your kids are being little a-holes and they need snacks and their blood sugar's dropping, you can just plop them on a zip line and they could have the zip line meet them out of the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. We're not going to the gift shop. Get on the zip line. Stop crying. <laughs> right. A fun way to ruin your kid's day at the park. I think people will love it. Probably. Um, yeah. It seems very innocuous. It's a very short little jaunt. Also, kids are terrified of that kind of stuff, though. Like when it actually comes down to it, because we had my daughter's <laughs> yeah. birthday party at this place called Urban Air all the way up in uh, in Cranberry, and they had a zip line like going around the whole like it's it was like this a airport warehouse, hangar yeah. warehouse sized facility, and you had they had a zip line that took kids around like. 30 feet in the air, and both my daughters were absolutely terrified and wouldn't do it. But see, kids see it from the ground, they're like, I want to go do that, and then you get them up on the platform, and they're like, get me out of here. I don't want to go. (laughs) Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, what do you got coming up? 
Uh, I'm still just pumped up for the DV Comedy Festival. I'm still <laughs> that's that's the that's the big target on my calendar right June now. June 30th, yeah. yeah. Um, that, June 29th. June 29th, yeah. June 30th is uh, we added the third show, Doug Benson's podcast. Doug loves movies. He's going to be doing that live in the Rex Theater, 4:20 Saturday. June 30th, and uh, he always brings some uh, of his comedian friends for that one. There's a lot of audience participation. One of the more popular podcasts out there, and uh, sure. he's he's bringing it here for the DVE Comedy Festival. Very, very psyched for this. That would be a cool show to go to. No also. doubt about Plus, it. Plus, that's the only option that you have anymore. They're all sold out except that one. So that's you right. got to go get tickets to that. Right. And uh, who knows what kind of special guests you might have. I, I did the math uh, of how many hours have just freed up for you oh. how many potential calories you are saving how many hours of sleep this is going to uh save you okay when you count calories do you count the next day calories because you're tired no and I, you're eating the, the funny thing about it all is i talked to so many penguin fans who felt exactly the same way that you guys did mm-hmm. who feel like i didn't want to lose to the capitals we just won two cups in a row it really takes a lot out of your life to go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> Us poor fans. <laughs> I was, I was, Kessel, Phil Kessel's been skating around with a shattered rib cage, and we're like, I can't eat one more chicken finger. I swear <laughs> to God, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle's hanging out with us here this morning. Uh, Randy Bellman along with Bill Crawford, and we got Jared Dulac joining us next hour to talk OTAs. Big Ben mentoring Mace. Oh, it's lovely. Sounds Is that like a, a new ha- series on Netflix? Yeah. I was going to say, that sounds like a Hallmark channel. Also, um, tonight's Game 7 for uh, the Caps and the Lightning. Will it be Ovi versus Flurry, Or will it be Cooney versus Flurry? I have to tell you, I want the Capitals to win because I just want to watch the Stanley Cup Finals. I feel like if Tampa wins, I'm not going to tune in as much. You won't tune in for Flurry? No, not against really? Tampa. It's just not as interesting. I'd rather I I would for sure tune in to see how the Flurry Ovechkin battle goes, but that's that's you know Vasilevsky versus Flurry doesn't have the same appeal to me. I don't think. Right. I, I think it's better for hockey. It's definitely better ratings for hockey if if Ovechkin and the Capitals are in the final. Without, but a, I hate them so much. Without a doubt, um, they uh, um, expect big time ratings for tonight's game seven. But not big-time ratings if Tampa Bay wins for the final. If it's a D.C.-Vegas final, you can bet it'll be a big-time television viewing. But uh, to the point you guys were making about like how you will watch the final, if the Capitals win, I will watch it, and my I'll be a little too invested in it for Flurry mm. because it'll really break my heart if he loses to the Capitals. Because well, then it'll be like Ovi beat the Penguins twice. Right, but... If it's the Lightning, I don't even care if they beat the Golden Knights. I'm like, ah, right. well, whatever. It's still a great story and great for Flurry, but, oh, I just don't want to see the bad but guys But see, win. like, that's that's why I want the Capitals to win. Is Okay, I took a series off, you know, now that the Penguins for watching mm-hmm. hockey. Like, this has all gone back and forth. I don't think I've watched one game. And I'm ready to go to a couple bars during weeknights again. <laughs> so I'd like to do that. <laughs> yeah. I've had some time off. Time to repair. Reflect. Now I'm ready to rage. Yeah, the amount of food that you eat from a bartender during the Stanley Cup when your team makes it to the finals, it uh, exceeds the recommended yeah. monthly allowance. My, my upper body injury was that my cholesterol was too high, so I needed to get that back <laughs> under control before I hit the ice again. 
So uh, Val is out. I'm doing news for you. A quick look at your weather from the Channel 11 weather. 11. Currently, it seems pretty nice up, Bill. Yeah, it does. 59 Randy? degrees. Real nice. 59 degrees. At DVE. That's official? Uh, it's, that's what it says it's, on the internet. It's I'm a feels like. It's a feels like. We're ballparking it. Yeah. Ross Township uh, is going to ban residents from intentionally feeding deer living in the area. Township commissioners introduced an ordinance last night citing concerns about the animals spreading diseases and potentially attacking people who get too close. Commissioners are taking public comment on the proposal and will vote on it in July. The township <laughs> voted down a similar ordinance in 2008. I would just love to see the person that feels so passionately about this that they're drafting a public comment. Dude, did you see Dearest the- sirs and madams, <laughs> it is my... When the founding fathers came forth upon this great land... They had to pursue life, liberty, and feeding deer out of your garden. <laughs> the pilgrims had the deer sitting beside them at the first Thanksgiving. Did you guys Wait, remember what? the testimonies and the hearings they had to call the deer in Mount Lebanon? They oh, yeah. brought in activists from everywhere. Yeah. yeah, it got heated. And people were bawling. I mean, very emotional over that one. I'm all for feeding the deer if you're feeding the deer poison. Because <laughs> they're rats. Yeah. They're big yeah. rats. I want them to stop eating everything. Everybody, and they're so dumb. You can't scare them anymore. That's what's scary about them. Well, they're, guess, they're blockheads. I'm pro-environment and all that, and uh, I'm very uh, pro-animal. Uh, I'm not PETA, because I don't. PETA seems to be a little insane yeah. to me at times. Um, but I think there's a line. You know, when people say, well, you know, you moved into their home. That's their area. You know, you built out the woods, and, and and those are all neighborhoods where they used to live. And I just kind of think, yeah, so they should leave now. I mean, they lost. Yeah, that's the one thing that Their I can't stand. Their land has been taken. Is that people act like humans aren't also part of nature. So, like, if the wolves moved in and the deer had to leave, would you blame the wolves? Like, we're just bigger, smarter wolves in this scenario. <laughs> we took your land. I'm sorry about <laughs> your luck. But you got to go now. But I also do think it's dangerous. Having been attacked and mauled by a deer before. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't mauled. I was mauled. Severely disfigured. It keeps getting, you keep exaggerating it now. I'll t- I almost died. I'll say this, though. You're South Hillser now. A lot less deer than there used to be around there. As many as there are still. Oh, no question. I used to or- see, you know. S- Several s- on my drive in. Every morning coming to work, I would yeah. see a bunch of deer, and that's not the case any longer. One of Our my- house backs up to woods, uh-huh. so we still see a a ton. Right. Like in our backyard. Oh, yeah. And so I'm plotting and scheming. and Can't you put like a, um, you know how you can put a an owl, a wooden owl in your backyard and then crows won't come back there and stuff? Isn't yeah. there something, some sort of uh, scare deer you can yeah. put back there? I just leave my father-in-law in an orange vest out there <laughs> and then he, that scares him. <laughs> it's Stormy Daniels Day, Tarala Boom DA, May 23rd. It's officially Stormy Daniels Day in West Hollywood. The adult film star being given a key to the city today to honor her involvement in the current movement against sexual assault. Does the key only work in West Hollywood, though? Not in East Hollywood? Yeah, I believe that's the case. Does the key work in the back door? (laughs) (laughs) It's a skeleton key. It works any door. She has really, uh, I mean, what a PR. Killing it. Boon. This has been for Stormy Daniels. She's now getting awards and being celebrated and lauded. And all she did was have sex with a reality star. Who knew? Who went on to become the president? Right. Yeah. But at the time. Important footnote. 
It, yeah, I know, but it, yeah, at the time, it wasn't like she was Monica Lewinsky. She didn't bed the guy in the Oval Office. It's the cover-up that matters, and she's being seen, again, is very appropriate that a porn star is being seen as the saving grace Hero. of the resistance. Uh, so congratulations to her. She gets a key to the city. She's a modern-day Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to be on a stamp, but, you know, you don't lick it. <laughs> Speaking of that, here in Pittsburgh, you know, uh, we, we were talking about the stamps that the U.S. Postal Service is going to be introducing, scratch and sniff stamps. The Post-Gazette folks were, were bandying about, should there be local ones? Should it be specific to certain towns? Definitely. And they queried, what if uh, the Postal Service localized scratch and sniff stamps for Pittsburgh? What would represent the smells of the city? So they went through a whole uh, bunch of them, and some people said, like, uh, the wood fire from Gaucho in the Strip, great restaurant, the smell of he- heavy industry, of course, which we're known for. Someone said Jack's Bar, mm. potato patch French fries, or just Kennywood in general, because there are certain smells sure. of Kennywood. Fish for Woolies in, in the Strip District. Oh, um, that's a sharp one. Cigarette smoke, you know, was another one that they had. The cheese aisle at Penn Mac. I, I don't know. I think if we're going to do a localized Pittsburgh stamp, scratch and sniff, it should, it should smell like Rick Seaback. <laughs> Sweets? Just like a donut shop. <laughs> Just a delightful a picture. A jolly bakery. Right. A delightful picture of Rick, uh, and then you scratch it, you smell oh, it, and it smells like ready-made donuts. Danish. See, see, if it was a Pittsburgh stamp, the only thing I could think of is... Uh, Wet jean shorts. <laughs> I feel like That's that just captures so smell. much about it. It's like jeans or blue collar, wet because it's always <laughs> raining around here. And it has to be uh, uh, water from the Raging Rapids, too, which has its own particular yeah, yeah. iron oxide, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> copper smell to it. Kind mm, of like a half-working chlorine. Yeah, yeah. Chlorine that can't quite hack it against yeah. the bacteria. <laughs> a fa- failing chlorine. Yeah. Crick shoes. Crick shoes. That's an interesting <laughs> smell. Uh, former Guess Who singer Burton Cummings. Do you have any scratch and sniff ones? That I, can... I, I mean, I would probably do a crock pot filled with Isley's uh, chip chop barbecue. It's a, a great one, right there. That someone has accidentally been ashing their backwoods <laughs> cigar in. <laughs> it's called add in smoky flavor. <laughs> just putting some smoke in it. By the way, I got in an Uber yesterday, and somebody had just put a black amount out in the ashtray. Ah. I was like, ah, oh, this is nice. This is real nice. Oh, someone hotboxes their car and you get in. It's now just, we're both inside of an ashtray. I don't oh. know why, but I'm okay with people smoking cigarettes in public places. But for some reason, when you're smoking like a cigar or a tobacco pipe, I'm like, get out of here. What are you doing? <laughs> right. If you're not in a tobacco, like a, a cigar bar, it just is so rank. It's and the, it stays it's, on you. It's the radius, too. Like, you can smell a pipe or like a cigar from like 100 yards away, I feel like. And I feel like I would say pits like a Steeler tailgate would be another smell mm-hmm. because that smell of cigars and, and, a swirl. and barbecues yeah. going. Yeah. Oh, my God. That takes me all the way back to Three Rivers. A nice swirl of tailgate olfactory hues being cued. A new company. Oh, wait. Former Guess Who singer Burton Cummings recovering from multiple injuries. I didn't realize this. He was in a serious car accident. In a recent Facebook post, 
Burton said he suffered a concussion and other injuries to his body in the very bad accident that happened on Mother's Day. He's 70 years old. Cummings says he's always been a skeptic of shrinks and therapists, but now he says he might get help to get over the shock of it all. Um, yeah, that'd probably be a good time to get over it. Hey, better late than never. What's wrong? These eyes. <laughs> falling out of the sockets. <laughs> My God. The pain. He's a badass singer, man. I always felt like BTO songs would have been better if Burton Cummings was singing them when Randy Bachman took off. When he got in his car accident, there was probably a horrible game of, like, who's on first? And he's like, sir, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a famous guy. I'm in a band. He's like, what, what band? <laughs> but guess who? Um, I don't know. Uh, Journey? No. no. But guess who? Uh, mm. You look like you're uh, in Blue Oyster Sticks? <laughs> yeah. A New York State Supreme Court justice is evicting 30-year-old man from his parents' home. Michael Rotondo's parents had given him numerous notices to leave their house, even offering him money for a place and advice on how to get a job. They were told they needed a Supreme Court justice to evict a family member, and yesterday, one ordered what? Rotondo out. He called the ruling outrageous and said he was going to file. A, he's going to file an appeal. That makes for tense dinner conversation. Right. When you have your parents under grand jury investigation, <laughs> is there an apartheid in their house? This you is can't come into the dining room ever again. How about the, the balls on this guy saying, it's outrageous. I'm going to fight it. Yeah, making a statement. That's really. Who's paying his legal fees? <laughs> That's a good point. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to file an appeal. You're representing yourself there, Junior. Hey, if you have a job and you're living at home with your parents, you're probably sitting on a treasure trove. He of doesn't cash. have a job. That's he why they want to get rid of him. He doesn't job. have a job. He has a car that he it's like broken down in the driveway. He won't move it. He's a total pain in the ass, and they weren't allowed to evict him. I can't imagine that that's the law. That's crazy. That's upstate Is there New York. like a one eight hundred my lemon for a kid? <laughs> Drag him out of there. <laughs> like, I, can I return this? Like, who do I, do we bitch at one of our parents? For just poor jeans? Ugh. Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, hanging out with us. Yes, you do. Yes, the rare 7 o'clock hour playing of the Mr. Wednesday theme. And you're looking for Mr. Wednesday. Well, you got him. Yes, you're looking for Mr. Wednesday. Jeff is going to be a part of the uh, DVE Comedy Festival Loaded show, which is uh, sold out. Well, I guess somebody told me that they released like 10 more tickets. They made some more space. So if you want to try to get some for that show, which takes place after the main stage show with Burt Kreischer, Rory Scovel, Sarah Tiana, Brad Williams, and Bill Crawford, uh, you can try getting those. It's at right across the street, practically. But the third show he added was Doug Benson's Doug Loves Movies podcast performed live at the Rex Theater. That's going to be a 420 start. All his shows start at 420 for a good reason. That's Doug. He's hilarious, man. His his show is great. It's super fun. and uh, It's a game show run and played by stand-ups. So yes. it's just so fun to be there and be a part of it. It's a great live podcast to go see. DVE.com is where you get your tickets for that. Mike's coming in next with sports. The Steelers OTA starting yesterday. And Ben working with Mason. Hmm. How about that? Also, uh, the DB's getting uh, some new uh, language 
as uh, Coach Tom Bradley comes in and tries to fortify the secondary after a horrible playoff performance you. against the Jaguars. And hmm. just down the stretch, they were they were brutal. After we lost Ryan Chazier, everything seemed to fall apart. The latest on a renewed Steelers uh, defense and a look ahead. Mike Pursuit has got that, plus the Buccos last night. Jameson Tyon. Still can't get back to form against the Reds. They go down 7-2. to He'll have the full report next on DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit is here. And we got Steeler football to talk about, Mike. The OTAs yesterday. Big Ben. No Tom Brady move here. Our leader shows up for the OTAs. That's right. You know, I didn't see a campfire. And I didn't hear the strains of Kumbaya being sung by Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph, but they appeared to coexist, to get along, to function as teammates for OTA number one yesterday at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. Ben Roethlisberger said afterward that uh, he is going to mentor Mason Rudolph as he sees fit, and he'll seize the opportunities to do so as they arise. No, he hasn't asked me anything, but I, 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 I inputted my two cents, so I hope he was okay with it. <laughs> there, was a, there was a particular play that he ran a little naked on, and he was probably six or seven yards from Rosie, and he threw it, threw it pretty hard at Rosie, threw it high, and Rosie didn't catch it. And, you know, Rosie's kind of a, a team favorite here, so the linemen started giving him a grief and stuff. And um, I just, you know, I just pulled him aside and said, hey, listen, you'll, you'll learn quickly that you don't have to, every throw doesn't have to be the hardest throw you can make. You don't have to put every, uh, every throw like on guys' chest as hard as you can. Like, that's a great opportunity to just give him a nice, easy touch pass. So just, just trying to instill little things like that. All right, you know, that's all it takes. Yeah, right? he but, doesn't have to hold his hand and lead him to the crapper. Just you know, point stuff out as it as it comes up, and the kid will learn. He seems pretty sharp. I uh, think he got a bad rap for the stuff he said before because he was attempting to joke. It did not come off as a joke when read on the printed page, and so everybody assumed when he said like, "Well, maybe I'll just point to the playbook if he uh, you know asks for some help." That was a good luck. Well, because the kid said, down. I'm not going to ask him for right. help. So he was going, oh, well, he said he doesn't need my help. So, hey, hey. I would jot this down. Yeah. Don't joke in the offseason when there's nothing to talk about. Right. but Things could get blown out of proportion. Yeah. So now he has to, <laughs> like, double sell that he's like, oh, I'm just being a mentor now. And, I'm, you know, he has to go overboard explaining that he's not being a jerk to him. Yeah. And he was doing all his it's usual stuff. Um, I put out a little... 12-second video on Twitter yesterday. Just They were running a simple pass into the flat drill, and he was correcting guys on their routes and doing things that Ben has done for a number of years now. Uh, I think we can get past this one. There are bigger fish to fry. The run defense is the bigger fish to fry. <laughs> and uh, the Steelers know this. They are uh, taking steps. Uh, I don't know if you could call this uh, experimentation or implementation, but... Uh, they're changing the look, the way they line up on running downs, first down, short yardage stuff. Uh, the Steelers traditionally have been a 3-4 team. Uh, they're going to look like something other than that. Here's linebacker Bud Dupree. It is good. Like, it's just 4-3. Like, basically, it's a 4-3. So we got so like two of the cam will be the DN, then one of us will be the other DN, and one of us will turn into a, a wheelbacker. On the run, we know it's going to be a run sometimes, you know. In a short yardage situation on, on check down play, we'll be able to rally around the ball real fast. You know, we don't usually try to do it in a lot of pass rush situations, just try to do it, be able to stop the run. Yeah, the pass rush situations, the sub-package stuff is so far the same. You know, the four across, Cam Hayward and Tuitt move inside, and the two outside linebackers are outside, and then they rush 
X number of players from wherever. That's as it's been. But uh, a 4-3 look on first down. Oh, my God. I think this is definitely what they're built for now. Mike B. And, you know, when Mike, Wait, Tom- when Tom- Mike Tomlin was hired, he was a 4-3 oh, guy. I was just going to say that. And man. everybody thought, oh, my God, they're going to switch to the 4-3. Well, they're going to they're gonna play it some, it looks like. Personnel and, is kind of dictating that that's a, a good thing for them. And Dupree said that uh, he's going to rotate from left side to right side more than he ever has. So it's going to be one of those uh, amoeba defenses like everybody seems to be gravitating towards. Uh, lines are being blurred. You know, what, what a position is called, what a position is supposed to do down to down. All that stuff's changing in the NFL, and the Steelers are uh, changing along with it. There was some interesting stuff from Vince Williams yesterday as well uh, regarding the way the Steelers handled the draft, minus Ryan Shazier. They knew Ryan Shazier was not going to play this year. They did not draft an inside linebacker on the first round to replace Ryan Shazier. Now they got a guy in Terrell Edmonds who is purportedly capable of playing sub-package linebacker stuff, but they didn't get somebody to line up next to Vince. Uh, Vince Williams said yesterday that they didn't do that because that guy wasn't there to be drafted. I think what everybody needs to understand is that Ryan Shazier is an amazing player. You cannot, if we would have picked a linebacker this year, there wasn't a linebacker that had the skill set of Ryan Shazier in the draft. I mean, unless you're absolutely, I mean, idiotic. I mean, Ryan Shazier is a tremendous talent. You don't have linebackers that run four threes and jump 40-something-inch verticals and do things like that and can cover athletic tight ends like that every draft. So just to pick a linebacker to say that you're just picking a linebacker, it's not really going to accomplish much. Like, you need... A really, really talented individual to do what Ryan Shazier was doing for us, or you need to, to do it by committee. And I think that the Steelers' commitment to doing it by committee is what's going to pay off for us, obviously because that's what we chose to do and because I believe in what they decided. Interesting stuff from Vince Williams. The OTA number two is scheduled for today on the south side. Pirates uh, had another tough night. Uh, this time it was in Cincinnati last night, 7-2 to two Reds. A Scooter Jeanette grand slam off of Jamison Tyone in the bottom of the fifth, broke open what at the time was a 2-1 to one Cincinnati lead. Uh, the game, however, was not completely without highlights for the Pirates. Austin Meadows did it again in the top of the seventh. Austin Meadows now faces him. And hits one toward right field. Austin Meadows has his second home run in the big leagues. In his last two games, he's homered twice. And this one off the lefty, Amir Garrett. Isn't it something? He's down in AAA Indianapolis. It's one home run down there in about a month and a half. And you're wondering, where's the power? We know he has power. We've seen it in spring training. And uh, up here, pretty remarkable. And just, uh, what is fifth, fourth game? Two home runs. Greg Brown and John Wayner on AT&T Sportsnet last night during the Pirates' 7-2 loss. That kid looks very good so far. An unusually subdued Brownie on the home run call. I thought he'd be losing his stuff. That I guess 6-1 yeah. at the yeah, time. Time-wise, context-wise. That hadn't stopped him in the past, so this still notable. Good point. Uh, Chad Cool against Homer Bailey in Game 2 of the series tonight. And in uh, the Eastern Conference Final, it's Game 7 between the Capitals and the Lightning at 8 o'clock on NBCSN. What you got? I got the Caps. I think they've been the better team 
in the series, even though they had to fight off elimination last night. I think Vasilevsky has been uh, the most impactful player, but I think Washington's got the offense to get to him. And just the way this postseason has gone, uh, Washington starting out 0 for 2 in overtime at home and then falling behind the Penguins and now staving off elimination. I think this is the spring of the Capitals. I don't know if retribution is the right word, but uh, I think it might be their time. If they don't call penalties, I, I like the Caps too. But if they call this game differently than they called the last game and put the, the lightning on the power play, I don't yeah. think the Caps can handle it. They haven't killed it well. But uh, their power play is uh, potent as well. Uh, it's going to be compelling either way. I think it's going to be a fascinating Stanley Cup matchup either way. I'd love to see Flurry Tampa. Flurry wins. That's what I'd like to see because then I can watch it, as I said earlier, without any pressure. It's a win win for us. If Tampa <laughs> were to beat Las Vegas, it wouldn't confront me any. But if Ovechkin finally gets one, and I understand the conventional thinking the hockey fans have of, hey, he's one of the all time greats. He, he deserves to get his name on the cup. Well, not yeah. yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, that's not deserved. Not thing yet. Is you earn. A lot of people say that. I you ne- get what I you earn. But he's, he's certainly having uh, an outstanding playoff, and he's doing everything he can to, to lead that train. And they got a lot of guys. Backstrom's getting better and better every game since he came back, and they have a good D, and the goalie's good. Uh, I think they're going to pull it off. Jerry Dulac will join us at 8.15. More Steeler talk for you right here on your home of the black and gold, 102.5 DV. And speaking of that, uh, one of the uh, most popular documentaries on Netflix – in a long time, is a documentary called Wild Wild Country. It's about this cult that moved into Oregon in the 80s. Well, they're coming out with another one, Wild Wild Steeler Country, about this cult <laughs> that moved into western Pennsylvania in the 70s. We'll have a preview of that Has for it you. Gone anywhere. Coming up later on this morning on D. Morning Show. One day, I come to notice all these people was wearing the same colored clothes. Nothing but black and gold. Seemed like they were all under a spell. Netflix is proud to present another blockbuster documentary. Everybody felt like they was at the Immaculate Reception. That was like our big bang in that. That was like we're the chosen people. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yoy and double yoy! Our vision was to create a football community based on worshiping a golden god named Thank Lombardi. You, you know what I mean? From producers Mark and Jay Duplass comes the story of the birth of a nation. We got a tip from the IRS, and in a matter of months, shrines were popping up all over the country for these cult members to answer their call to worship. They weren't shrines, they were Steeler bars popping up in every major city in the country. I mean, yeah, they was worshiping in that, but they were worshiping Emperor Chaz Knoll. We received a bootleg video of their beer-fueled orgies that were ceremoniously held in these massive stadium parking lots. It wasn't like any Sunday service I'd ever seen. They weren't orgies, they was tailgates! We also had it on good authority that they'd formed an army that could pose a threat to our National Guard. We contacted the guard down the stadium, you know, that, that knew the ball players. We asked him, he said, would Franco mind if we would be Franco's Italian army? So he asked Franco, and he says he wouldn't mind it at all. And then from then on, the rest is just history. Sure, my family was worried about me. They thought I was brainwashed, but I wasn't. I just had Steeler fever, and I ain't never found a cure. You know to me. Here we go, Steelers! Here we go! 
from the people that brought you Netflix captivating documentary Wild Wild Country. I was willing to do anything to make sure that Baba Rooney and his desires were fulfilled so that we would be enshrined in a state of Lombardy grace for eternity. Dude, don't interview that chick. Yeah, she's a nutbag. She came around at tailgates talking about putting poison in one of the other team's water bottles. I mean, great idea and all. Yeah, we, but we didn't need no poison. We had Jack Lambert. Wild, wild Steeler country. When we lost Bradshaw Roshnishi, I, I prayed every day that we'd get another chosen one to lead us. Lo and behold, with the 13th overall pick, a savior was born. Netflix, this Friday. You know, uh, we, we were talking about the stamps that the U.S. Postal Service is going to be introducing, scratch and sniff stamps. The Post-Gazette folks were, were bandying about, should there be local ones? Should it be specific to certain towns? I think if we're going to do a localized Pittsburgh stamp, scratch and sniff, it should, it should smell like Rick Seaback. <laughs> Sweets. Just like a donut shop. <laughs> Just a delightful a picture. A jolly bakery. Right. A delightful picture of Rick. Uh, and you scratch it, you smell oh. it, and it smells like ready-made donuts. Danish. See, see, if it was a Pittsburgh stamp, the only thing I could think of is uh, wet jean shorts. <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. <laughs> Mr. Conkle Jeff, we- Mr. Conkle Jeff Wednesday. I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. It's a very specific smell. Jeff Wednesday was uh, talking about <laughs> Mr. right Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle uh, with us there last hour. <laughs> I'm batting about uh, 350 on all that stuff today. I'm d- hey, that's in- a good average. Well, not 350. Yeah, I'm, I'm three quarters of the way uh, to uh, where I'm, I'm supposed to be on just about everything today, uh, which is better than most days. Jerry Dulac will join us in about nine minutes to talk Steelers. Mark Madden will uh, bitch and moan and pretend he's persecuted in the nine o'clock hour, and that's always fun. I love when Mark comes on the show. It's my I just love watching you two talk. <laughs> Big fan. He's Look, we offer Mark something that he desperately needs. An audience. When he says the Are stuff you he to say says, he doesn't have a huge audience. No, he has a huge radio audience, but in the room, in person. Yeah, because when he says the stuff he says, and we find it hilarious because it's so it is hilarious. It's a funny dude. It kind of softens those things and stops people from taking him so seriously. You know what I mean? Yes. Because he's really hilarious. If he had a laugh track going the whole time, his show wouldn't piss as many people off. He should have a laugh track. I know. And that's what we provide for That him. would be amazing. Because I remember Greg Warren being in here with us, because Greg's a big fan of his. Greg loves Mark. And Greg was laughing so hard at the stuff he said. Dude, Madden is hilarious. I know he is, dude. That's what I'm trying to say. But there are some people who just think he's a, a, a complete heel without any humor at all. And I, I don't that's see that. That's crazy way. talk. People are always like, what's he like? I'm like, I don't know, dude. He's hilarious. How could you get mad at him? <laughs> like, he could say something, you're like, that's ridiculous. And then remember what the word means and stop getting mad. <laughs> yeah. Because it's ridiculous. I have, a, I have a couple friends who have, they've been like, they listen to him because he's got their kind of sense of humor. And 
they called the show thinking that they were just going to commiserate, nope. and he firebombed them, and they never listened to the show again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what did you uh, think was going to happen? That's the best. That's why I listen. He's better at doing what he does than anybody in town, doing what they do. Whatever kind of What is you... it that you do? Yeah. He does it better. He does it better. Uh, news uh, this hour brought to you by, well, let's take, first of all, uh, a look at the uh, weather. This is brought to you by Bridgeville Appliance. Uh, currently, it's 60 degrees at DVE. Val uh, on vacation. Much needed. Yes. and deserved. I hope she's sleeping. She's not. She's listening right now. Val, go, go to sleep. Go to, no, she's like, I can't sleep. We're working. Val puts up like barns like the Amish. <laughs> I think she's just building a community. She might be doing her own yeah. wild, wild country. Yeah. She's building a community. Val Val country. <laughs> the latest season of The Bachelorette does not start until Monday, but star Becca Kufrin is already revealing she's engaged. The 28-year-old from Minnesota. Spoiler alert. Made the... All right. I'm just kidding. I don't care. She made the announcement to People Magazine saying she's extremely happy. She did not disclose whether it's one of the male Bachelorette contenders. That'd be great if she's like, no, they're all douchebags. Uh-uh. Uh, met some guy, Lenny, at the bar. Great guy. We love Steak and shake. Kufrin was previously engaged to Ari Lewandyke Jr. Isn't he a racer? A racer. Wasn't he, wasn't he like a, uh, not stock car, wasn't he like a uh, IndyCar driver? Oh, I have no idea. Ari Lewandyke Jr. popped the question during the finale of The Bachelor in March. He broke things off to pursue runner-up Lauren Burnham who is now his fiance? See, I don't pay attention to any of this stuff. Uh, th- th- this sounds like you're speaking a different language. Ever since I got married, I don't have to watch those shows anymore. See, that surprises me. Because I would think once you are married, that's part of the deal is like she wants to watch it, so you you know, you know got to watch with her. Mm-mm. Oh, that's good. No. Two TVs. Yep. <laughs> uh, another author has passed away, famous author. Tom Wolf died last week. Wolf. Author Philip Roth has died. The Pulitzer Prize winning novelist of such works as Portnoy's Complaint. I read that one. Did you ever read that one? Mm-mm. It's good. Goodbye Columbus, an American pastoral. He was 85. The New Yorker, which published his first story in 1958, reported his death. His often dark comic writing examined the Jewish experience, sex, and life in America. What's uh, the one book that you read about? Portnoy's Complaint? Yeah. Uh, it's about this like sort of Lothario playboy guy who uh, is like searching for happiness in the nineteen late fifties or early sixties New York, and uh, he just makes lots of bad decisions that are hilarious, and he's like a selfish, self-involved uh, guy who keeps kind of tripping over his own feet for that very reason. Aha! Uh-huh. Didn't resonate at all. The youngest finalist in the history of The Voice is taking home the trophy this season. 15-year-old Brian Cartelli was declared the winner last night during the show's season finale. Contestant Britton Buchanan came in second, followed by Kyla Jade in third, and Spencia Baker in fourth. I have... Who are these people? I have lost touch with what people (laughs) name their kids. Look, there was a time time when Serena and I did the math and we figured out that the majority of the time that we spend together, our one-on-one bonding time, was watching people get eliminated from something. Either they didn't lose enough weight or, you know, pull off the Paso Doble mm-hmm. or something. There was right. all these. I don't, we don't watch any of those shows anymore. So I don't know any of those people. And to your point, 
What are people naming their kids anymore? I don't know. The again, the names in that article were Bryn, Britain, Kyla, and Spenshaw. Spenshaw. That sounds like a good uh, Patrick Stewart name. Spenshaw. <laughs> I was just gonna oh, say, hello, Spenshaw. <laughs> Congratulations, Spenshaw. And I like to do drawings. Drummer Kenny Jones is set to release his memoir, Let the Good Times Roll, My Life in Small Faces, Faces in the Who. It's available May 31st. As the title suggests, the text will tell the story of the percussionist's stints in three of the most influential bands of all time. Pre-order for the text is available now in a special hardcore edition. Hardcover. Hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) Hardcore Special weird like bondage stories and all this really weird hardcore stuff. Uh, That's scheduled to be released in the U.S. September 25th. I never thought much of his work with The Who because he only did one album, really. I guess he toured with them for a while there. But It's Hard is still a great Who album. It had only two hits on it. Uh, Eminence Front, of course, is on that one. And Athena, which is a great tune. But uh, the whole album is really, really good. And lastly, lasers are helping cut crop losses caused by birds at a Sonoma County vineyard. Yes, that's right. Lasers. Freaking laser beams. Crop losses from birds are down almost 100% at the 21-acre Griffin's Lair in the Petaluma Gap. So says Jim Griffin, whose vineyard became the first California vineyard, vineyard to install the laser systems last May. This is what we can do to keep the deer out of Mount Lebanon, dude. Lasers. Lasers. Install the lasers. Does everyone have laser guns? Activate the lasers. The four solar-powered green light systems cost $10,000 each. Griffin says he'd been spending about $25,000 every year in a labor-intensive effort to protect his grapes with nets. Birds do an estimated $50 million damage a year to California's wine grapes alone. That's insane. Yeah, if if you had a field of crops and that was your livelihood, you'd probably care a lot more. Than I do about deer. I mean, I'm <laughs> right. just like, ah, I just it's I just bought that hosta. Right. Come on. Get away from my hosta. <laughs> hosta Levista, baby. Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette joining us right now here on your home of the Pittsburgh Steelers 102.5 DVE. Jerry, good morning. How are you, man? Good I'm good, boys. How are you? Doing great. I great. loved reading about the OTAs yesterday. It made my uh like uh you know heart palpitate a little bit thinking about Steelers season coming back. And there's a, there's a lot of new faces this year, but the first uh, thing we got to ask you about is Ben Roethlisberger's helping out the rook Mason Rudolph after some comments that he made in a radio interview. He claims were taken out of context. I think he was trying to joke around, and that doesn't play when the words are on the printed page. And he probably should have just said, "Uh, I wish they would have taken uh, you know an inside linebacker." Uh, yeah, any, I, you know, at I, any rate, he, think, he ended up helping him out yesterday there, Jer. Yeah, I think, well, I, I think when he helped him out is is uh, Ben was walking by him and purposely stepped on his toe and he goes, hey, don't stand there, kid, move back. I think that was his helping. <laughs> I, you know, if Ben would have just left his comments at, at you know, post-draft at, um, you know, hey, look, I don't, you know, we needed help on defense. The pick just surprised me. But, he, I, you know, he went a little too far. Look, he wasn't happy with it. There's no question about it. And he was wasn't happy because they never told him about it, which was the other thing that fueled his fire. And it, but he didn't. And then he said, you know, if he, you know, my job's not to mentor him. I mean, he was speaking out of anger there and some hurt feelings. And yeah, there's there's no doubt there. He can backtrack that all he wants. I think everybody knows, um, uh, you know how how he felt. I think the other thing too. You know, I think you'll see Ben probably not participate a lot in OTAs. And why should he? 
Um, right. But I, I definitely think he showed up on day one because if he didn't, then it would have made the whole situation uh, look worse. Right. Uh, so, but I, I mean, you know, there's three practices this week. I don't know his schedule. I don't want to say I'll be surprised if he's there today. I bet he's not there all three days each week. I bet some days he'll miss two. I don't. I mean, he doesn't need to be there. But I think, um, I, I think Ben realizes he made himself look kind of petty in that situation because everybody took him to task for it. And uh, you know, I don't. I'm not surprised he tried to. Back, you know, he backtracked a little bit from it. Well, Jerry, in your expert opinion, is this a, a good or bad day to go golfing? And if it's a bad day to go golfing, might he just show up again for the hell of it? Well, Mike, I will tell you that it's a good day to go golfing because that's exactly where I'm going. I have to go to a function today for the Tri-State PGA. Um, but I, I know, mm-hmm. I know, talking to Ben yesterday, he's planning on playing golf later in the week. But I don't. I again, I don't. I don't know exactly what he's going to do today, but. Uh, I think, uh, like I said, Mike, I, there's no there's no reason for him to be at OTAs. It gives the other guys uh, more of an opportunity uh, to work. Uh, you know, there's plenty of time for all that coming up when you get to mini camp, but more especially training camp. I mean, look how little he does at training camp, Mike, and it's going to be even less again this year uh, as he gets older. So, um, you know, I, I don't I don't see any need for him to be there. Nor most especially, nor does he. Yeah, you know. Again, though, if he doesn't show up, he gets in even more trouble. So, while there's no need for him to be there, he has to go. He has to be there. Well, to I, Tom Brady didn't show up, and New England, you know, is the first thread being pulled out of the hoodie. It's all unraveling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're well, losing I, their mind. I, I mean, I think to Ben's credit, though, after all these years, he has been a regular participant. And I'm not saying he's going to miss two out of three. But, I, you know, he's I, 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 I would expect him to not come for one a week but to his credit boy he's always there and uh you know he's he's the team guy and talks about it and you know i mean he railed against Le'Veon bell last year when he wasn't there and uh you know and so let's give ben some credit for for a guy who's uh you know made more money than any other quarterback in a payout to, in history uh you know this is a guy who's who's been there when he needs to be there and uh i give him credit for that no doubt about it do they have a new quarterback coach, or is Fickner doing two jobs? Yeah, Fitner's yeah, fit doing that. Um, you know, they, they, you know, I don't want to say they get away on the cheap that way because there's no reason for them, uh, you know, to to do it on the cheap. Um, but uh, yeah, he's still doing it. Um, people say, well, you know, how's he going to be able to do that? Do both? I don't know if being the quarterback coach for Ben Roethlisberger is like being the tourism director for Hawaii, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, I, you know, there are some young guys in that room, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not exactly sure what the quarterback coach does uh, that that he would need to be, uh, you know, devoted full time to it. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. But yeah, you know, that that's the plan right now, and I think they'll probably stay that way. Speaking of uh, the tourism director of Hawaii, their new wide receivers coach gets a lot of credit for having coached Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> But Daryl Drake seems to be, uh, I don't know, my impression of him is he's a real kind of hands-on, in-your-face, this-is-the-way-it's-going-to-be type of guy. Uh, I'm curious if you've formulated any sort of uh, initial opinion on him yet. I I haven't myself, Mike. I've talked to some people in Arizona uh, about him. Um, You know, our friend and Val's friend, Mike Miller, I I still remember the Super Bowl when the Steelers played Arizona. Um, You know, Mike Miller was the receiver's coach. And they had Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden and Steve Breston. 
And I remember when I saw Mike at Media Day at the Super Bowl, I went up to him. I said, hey, Mike, I go, man, you're really doing a good job coaching up Fitzgerald and, and Anquan Bolden. Uh, you know, so, it, you know, he this guy, Daryl Drake, <laughs> inherits, you know, he inherits Antonio Brown, and he gets Juju, and, and you know, and I really like, I really like uh, uh, James Washington. I, I think he's going to be a big play receiver, Mike. So, I mean, this guy walks into a, to a nice situation, uh, you know, with getting Antonio Brown. So I haven't had an – I'm with you with, with what I hear, but um, – yeah, You, you do know, hear I, these I don't guys, know. don't you? Yeah, well, I'll tell you the loudest guy on the field is our friend Tom Bradley. Bradley yeah, one, the nonstop you know, too, right? Right, right. You know when Tom Bradley's in the building and, <laughs> and on the field. And you know what? Uh, uh, good for him. I, I couldn't be happier for him. You know, he has, you know, in a way he has, like, you know, I think the Redskins a couple years ago, and maybe still do, they had like a staff of 20 or 21 assistant coaches. Um, and, you know, some with ridiculous titles. And the Steelers, you know, I, I, what's the number they have, like 13 or 12 or something? But with their, you know, it's surprising in a way when you have an inside linebacker's coach and an outside linebacker, Jerry Olsen and Joey Porter, that they don't have a, quote, safety coach and you don't have a, quote, cornerback coach. And with the way they're going to use these safeties, apparently, as, you know, some inside linebackers in their sub-packages, it's almost like that position would would need an extra assistant coach, um, but they only have one. That's the way they've done it. And uh, you know, Tommy, he'll do a great job because he is a teacher and he's a fundamentalist. And while the NFL is not rife with fundamentalists, he's going to sit there and bang his head against the wall to try and get them to do it. And that's one of the things that Mike Tomlin, you know, has applauded him for, and one of the things he wanted him for. Jerry, uh, good. I was going to say, back to the receivers for just one second. Washington, I think, evens out that room pretty nicely because you got Juju on the bike, you got businesses booming A.B., and now you add a farmer to the mix. I think he could uh, complement those two pretty well. Yeah, I agree. How do you think you'll fit in with uh, A.B.? you think A.B. knows a whole lot about farming? <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a good kid, James Washington. And, um, you know, this guy was so productive at Oklahoma State. You know, for a for a guy who averaged 20.9 yards per catch last year, I think he has uh, 53 touchdowns, 37, whatever the number is. You know, he's not he's not a long strider. He's not a 6364 Martavis Bryant type. Uh, you know, he's 5'11", and you know he's, he he has he has a stocky build to him. But I'll tell you what, I saw it yesterday too. He went up to get a get a kind of a deep ball on the sideline over top of somebody, and he just picked it off the guy's head and. Uh, uh, hey, look! I know it's practice in shorts, but uh, I'm I'm eager to see this guy play. I think he could be productive this year. So for the farmer yesterday, business was blooming. <laughs> I love it. There you go. I might I might use that sometime. I've already used. He's accustomed to plowing open fields, so uh, I'll have to use that one next time. Jerry Dulac, part of Juju the on the plow, Pittsburgh Steeler <laughs> Radio Network and the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, reporting on the Steelers OTAs. Jerry, hit him straight today. Thanks for uh, calling in. Uh, greatly appreciated right, as right. always, man. Yeah, always good talking with you, boys. See you. Okay, man. We'll see you. Mark Madden next hour. Mike Pursuit. Can't wait. Full sports report when we come back. Don't forget, Doug Benson added to the DVE Comedy Fest lineup. It's Saturday, June 30th. Can't wait. Rex Theater, 420. Can't wait. Doug Loves Movies, the podcast. It's like a game show. It's full of uh, his comedian friends, and it's a complete uh, a great time, and we're, we're so glad to add this to 
the growing list of shows at the DVE oh, Comedy yeah, this Festival. This is going to be awesome. Doug Loves Movies Podcast live. Get your tickets for that right now for the June 30th show at DVE.com. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta here with your sports on the DVE morning show. What's the word? Sports this hour brought to you by Sports Clips. Turns out Ben Roethlisberger can work and play well with others as it relates to third-round quarterback Mason Rudolph. Uh, Roethlisberger interacting with the kid yesterday, uh, telling the media after OTA number one that while Rudolph did not ask any specific questions, Roethlisberger was there to provide advice and insight and little coaching tips, uh, as he often is with just about everybody Involved with the offense. Roethlisberger also gave Rudolph uh, a thumbs up after the practice in terms of uh, an overall review. He's got a big arm. Um, He overthrew AB, even though AB's not going to admit it. (laughs) Um, But uh, no, I thought, uh, you know, seems to understand the offense, seems to um, not have any issues in the huddle, so I thought he did really well. Yeah, and that that seems to be a trend with Mason Rudolph. Uh, Overthrowing receivers? No, doing pretty well. Uh, everybody is uh, guilty to a degree of uh, taking their eye off the ball because we're so fascinated with, oh, is Ben going to talk to him? Is he going to help him out? Whatever. Uh, Mason Rudolph has showed up and uh, looked the part and turned some heads. Uh, if you recall rookie minicamp, uh, wide receiver Marcus Tucker talked about his command of the huddle and his his leadership, leadership abilities that mm-hmm. were apparent. Tucker being a guy who's been around for a while on the practice squad, so he's not your average rookie off the street. He has some sort of perspective on that. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger volunteering. Looks like he knows what he's doing in the huddle. Doesn't look too big for him. Uh, it's only four days, but so far so good for Mason Rudolph. Uh, on the other side of the ball, the Steelers' uh, first and foremost task as they begin again in 2018 is to fix the leaky run defense. Uh, one of the proposed solutions that was on display yesterday uh, a departure from the norm as it relates to the traditional 3-4 defense on rundowns. Here's uh, Bud Dupree talking about what the Steelers did instead. It is good. Like, it's just 4-3. Like, basically, it's just a 4-3. We got, so, like, two of the cam will be the DN. Then one of us will be the other DN. And one of us will turn into a, a wheelbacker. On the run, we know it's going to be a run sometimes. You know, in uh, short yardage situations on, on check down play, we'll be able to rally around the bar real fast. No, we don't usually try to do it in a lot of passwork situations. Just try to do it, be able to stop the run. Got to stop the run because Jacksonville ran through him and then Jacksonville passed through him and then Jacksonville went through him on the way to the championship game in New England that the Steelers never got to play. Uh, They've been in four-man fronts a lot uh, over the years. Everything is morphing. Uh, It's not like they're scrapping the 3-4 and now they're going totally 4-3, but this is a – Uh, at least uh, a proposed alternative, run game alternative, first down alternative, short yardage alternative. Uh, you got to explore things. you got to change things. You can't just show up and expect it to be different, right? Uh, Not if you want different results. Yeah. Uh, It's going to take some some different scheming, perhaps. Uh, They're changing things in secondary as well. Not so much for Joe Hayden and Artie Burns, the outside cornerbacks, but Apparently for everybody else, here's Hayden talking about that. Yeah, I feel for those dudes, man. Uh, nickel and corner is completely different as far as calls and blitzing and when you might have to play scene flats or just different techniques. I think he meant nickel and safety, but they're, they're doing things differently. They're lining guys up differently. They're even calling them different things. Uh, who's going to replace Mike Mitchell at free safety? 
Well, maybe nobody because with Morgan Burnett's arrival via free agency, the old strong safety, free safety concept has become outdated. Here's Sean Davis. Yeah, today we just was left and right um, because I said he, he, he can do it. He can do both positions and so can I. So we just played left and right, you know, however the, the formation had us, and that's just what we did. Anybody else uh, hearing all this and thinking this is going to be a disaster for like a month and a half in the season? It'll take some work. It's I'm excited, though, especially about Barnett. Yeah, I think, you know, if it if it works out that they peak at the end of the year and play well in the playoffs instead of peaking early and then being really leaky in December and January, I think everybody can live with that, right? Well, so you're going to have a defense learning how to play this new D. Got to uh, start with left and you're right. You're going to have uh, a running back who just showed up in week one. Yeah. And then they're probably going to get upset by flipping Baker Mayfield and the Browns in week one as a result. Let's go, not go that far. Well, it's it's a rainy day. Let the cynic in me play this out. And yeah. then? <laughs> and then what's going to happen? No, I think you're on to something. I mean, I'm not predicting disaster. It sounds brutal. But if if the idea this year is not to become fixated on the Patriots from day one and look ahead to the AFC Championship game, I think that will be easy to achieve that goal because uh, this team is not, to me at least, in the position it was last year where uh, the perception is, oh, the only thing between the Steelers and the Super Bowl is New England. And how they you know, we were talking at this time last year, more man, more press man to play New England. You know, the, the Patriots right. kryptonite. Le'Veon Bell is the Patriots kryptonite because he had gotten hurt and, and didn't play much in the, the championship game the previous year. There's no need to, to worry about that Gargonzola right now. they got to worry about getting their act together, and that's going to take some time. I think the lack of superstars is making them full-blown new age, this thing. Like, since uh, let's just all be position fluid. We're not going to define anybody by a, maybe like a, a real position. Everybody just be everything. I think it's, uh, you know, the people who were there last year, one of the big complaints was, well, we didn't communicate. Guys didn't know what they were supposed to do. They didn't know their assignments. So how do we fix that? No assignments. Let's change everything. <laughs> Kill the assignments. And have nine <laughs> shot callers on there. Get to the guy with the ball. Get him on the ground. Right. Go from there. Uh, lot he of called plays, and he called plays, and he called plays. A lot of people uh, are playing it this way now. Defenses are really changing. And, you know, survive and adapt or die, right? Right. Pirates got beat 7-2 to in Cincinnati last night. Really good outing from Jamison Tyone, other than the grand slam he gave up in the bottom of the fifth. That sort of ruined things. Uh, Tyone did have eight strikeouts in six innings, but he also allowed eight hits. He was reached for six runs. Pirates lose their fourth in a row. They fall to 26-21. 16,144 at the Great American Ballpark. I think the Bucks would have drawn that had the Reds been here on a Tuesday night. I don't know. I don't think they would have. I don't know what the answer to that is. They got another one in Cincy tonight. Chad Cool against Homer Bailey. I still can't believe there's a pitcher whose name is Homer. Are they? Is the NFL really considering... A 15-yard penalty if somebody kneels during the national anthem? There is going to be, uh, according to uh, a couple of reports, that the spring league meeting is wrapping up in Atlanta today. And uh, there was a report yesterday 
uh, from Ian Rappaport, uh, NFL Network and uh, NFL.com, a tweet. Giants owner John Mayer says there will be more discussion regarding the national anthem and social justice tomorrow, and he expects a resolution tomorrow being today. There were lengthy talks today, today being yesterday in this case. Yeah, one of the proposals is that it's up to the home team to decide if teams have to come out for the anthem or if they want to stay in the locker room. Is it maybe time to stop having the national anthem before a privately owned team takes the might field? Be. Like, might be if it's come to this. We're, we're getting to the point where Ike's premonition and, and warning at the end is coming to full fruition. When the military-industrial complex can pay the NFL... $30 million and do flyovers. Well, then you're turning the national anthem into something else, aren't you? I don't know. I guess that's a matter of personal perception. I, just, I, I find it baffling that you – what is that song, a minute and 30 seconds? Uh, that you just can't take a break and, and honor it for a minute and 30 seconds and then go about your business. And it, it shouldn't be anything more than that. It shouldn't be that hard to accomplish that. But seemingly it is. So, yeah, the hell with it. Well, I think you're you're missing what these guys are protesting, but I'm I'm on the side of they were protesting something and if that moved to a conversation with the league, with the owners, and they were able to to barter some sort of action, then that should be done with. And they don't have to kneel anymore because they got the action they were seeking when they initially were trying to show that they were Protesting something. Yeah. I don't know. My whole take on it hasn't changed. It's there's a time and a place for protest. I'm all for it. But when when you're wearing a uniform and you're working for a company, uh, that ain't the time and that ain't the place. And well, they can tell you that it's not. I guess, but right. you know, they it's can. up to yeah. you. To well, decide. I guess it's up they to the tell pay- them what to wear. It's up to the paying customers is what it's up to, and it's up to the boss to decide what's best for the paying customers. And if you don't agree with the boss, then go do something else. Hmm. You know, it's it's not. To me, a, a huge ask to stand at attention for a minute and 30 seconds or two minutes before the game and just let the thing play. You find it disrespectful when somebody takes a knee. See, I, I don't. I just I don't want to see that stuff then. I think I, if uh, Marshawn Lynch is on the bench not paying attention and screwing around, that that's different. Kneeling is reverential. And it's just pointing out that, hey, I'd like to have this discussion. and it's something, yeah. But it's been conflated into something completely time that we're not going to solve in the next 15 seconds that I have less than Plenty of time to do break. that on your off day on Monday or Tuesday. You're, you're, there to yeah. do a, you're there to do a job. All the people who bitch about free speech get really pissed when other people use it. They're, free speech does not mean you can say anything you want without ramification. Right, without consequence. Yeah. It means you don't go to jail for it. That's what well, if you're if you're but keeping you somebody from saying penalty. it, if you're keeping somebody from saying it, you're infringing on free speech. You're allowed to say, uh, I don't want to hire Colin Kaepernick because he pisses off our fan base." That's the ramification of the action. Stopping him from doing it in the first place is a different matter. Or the ramification is, boy, if Colin Kaepernick was better, we'd put up with this. But since well, he's the not, new testimony that, that's being gonna. leaked now, where they say that uh, all the like 15 teams at least have considered him a starter but they wouldn't hire him. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. That is a whole can of worms the NFL does not want to deal with. Probably not. So maybe you should just scrap it. I don't tune in to see Perfect. the anthem. You know? Yeah. I like when I'm, I go to a lot of games, I like the anthem for what it is. It's been a tradition. There's no um, doubt about that. I, More got, so in baseball. It seemed like a baseball tradition, not so much a football tradition. Well, I think baseball started it, it was it during World War II. Is that when it? 
first came into first easy. came into vogue. I just think it's a nice time to kind of collect yourself and uh, reflect a little bit, and then uh, it's over, and then you're you're back uh, into the game. Um, right. Apparently, that's too much to ask. Well, some people don't have the same experience as you, Mike. I'm usually getting nachos at that time. <laughs> yeah, that's not disrespectful. <laughs> people have no problem with that. Yeah. Look, I understand. But that's it's not. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. It's also a good time, you know, right when you get to the land of the free, for somebody to scream, "Let's go, Pads!" From the up every the single every time. time. Uh, Mark Madden next hour here on the DV Morning Show, and we're going to ask him about Murray and Flurry. I don't oh, know. Good. I don't know where he stands on Nobody's- that. the DVE Morning Show. <laughs> yeah, that came in hot there, Joe. Coming in hot, big time. You know. Starbucks has recently come under fire for the treatment of two individuals in a Philadelphia Starbucks store. Of course, you guys know what I'm talking about. Of course. Two black dudes were in there waiting on somebody, and somebody called the cops there, which is, you know, unnecessary. Then and the then co- they were arrested. And then they were arrested, which was unnecessary. So they caught a lot of flack. Over what went on there. And Starbucks, a a really progressive company, was in a, a tough spot there. They're like, oh, man, this clearly doesn't represent our ideals as, as a corporation. And we need to do something to change it. So what they've done is this past weekend, they issued a new edict. It's called like the third place policy or something like that. Like Basically, it's like loiterers welcome. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives people a third place that you can go into Starbucks. It's a safe space, basically. You can go there no matter what. Come it, in. Get out of the rain. Right. And hang out there. Now, you don't have to buy anything. The interesting thing with all that, of course, is that now people can just go into Starbucks and just hang out in there. Anybody. Like, I'm not sure exactly what you're, you're going to need to do because they make so much money they can deal with. Losing a customer here or there who might not be thrilled with, you know, the company that they are keeping in any particular store around the country. So you're saying to hang out there now, you don't have to have a laptop and a goatee? No. Mm-mm. In fact, I mean, their latest commercial really sort of illustrates what they're shooting for here. At Starbucks, we've made a concerted effort to make everyone feel welcome. And that includes people who just have to take a in public. Starbucks is proud to introduce our new loiterer's welcome policy. Whether you're black, brown, white, or Asian, we don't give a crap, but you can take one here. Zero chance of you buying coffee because you just don't have a pot to piss in? Well, feel free to pinch a loaf in ours. And we're not just talking about public dumpers. We've learned our lesson, and we'll never kick anyone out of our store again for anything. Sit and stare at girls drinking lattes like a deranged weirdo. We don't care, especially if you're not white. Then you can really do all kinds of freaky stuff. It will take a lot for us to ask you to leave. And if we do, you can just say no, because we're terrified of the backlash. And that's good news for penniless derelicts. So even if you hate coffee, started shitting your pants outside and have to finish the job inside, no problem. Use our bathroom as a hobo shower clean up from a murder, and walk out whistling. (laughs) Loiter in Starbucks, 
where you don't have to drop a dime to drop a deuce. See, it's <laughs> completely different now. New tagline. It's great. It's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out for them, but I'm confident that they'll continue to sell coffee. I love Starbucks coffee. I'm a big fan. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'll bounce. I'll bounce around too. What do you mean? I mean, I'll go the around menu? the menu. I can't do the sugary coffees anymore. Well, Just can't do it. Uh, you know, I've had that long-standing policy that I really wish they would institute more than the loiterers welcome. Uh, separate lines. If, Fast pass. If you're here for a Dairy Queen experience, move over. Right. If you just want coffee injected into your veins, you're good to go. Right here. Express yeah. lane for people who just want coffee. If they're, if you're there for a panini or a cake pop, separate line. Yeah. We've got time for you. Hey, uh, your chance at winning $1,000 in workforce, ca- workforce cash coming up after the break. Just text the keyword to 200. 200, that's brought to you by rightcars.com mark madden next hour here on the dve morning show currently right now the temperature is 61 degrees very nice it's a nice morning it's lovely britney spears her ex-husband has demanded a two thousand dollar daily allowance 20 grand kfed and monthly child support that's right she that's how much she pays right now it's a and, lot of wife beaters. Right. He said it's not enough. He wants 40. Wow. Or no, no, I'm sorry. 60. He wants 60. <laughs> That's $2,000. That's right. He filed a lawsuit to alter their agreement. He demanded three times more. 40-year-old Kevin Federline believes he deserves a daily allowance of $2,000. Is there any Two question in your mind that he vapes? A day. Oh, my God. He does it all, though. He's probably one of those guys that vapes between cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Britney's ex admitted in legal documents that he's fallen on hard times. No. I work as a DJ. My income this year is Oof. approximately $3,000 per month. I am no longer able to perform as a dancer due to my age. I have not been successful in putting out new music. Go get another job, dingbat! Not a lot of backup dancers out there that are 40 years old and have a beer gut. I like this idea that, well, I've aged out of my job and no one will hire me as a DJ. So, I can't do anything else. I mean, that, that's all I can do. Look, I'm all out of tricks. This probably happens on the other end a lot as well. It's just almost unacceptable for a male to do it, to just be living off of his his ex wife's fame. But how many women have just never gotten a job after they divorced their husband, who's wildly successful? It probably happens a bunch. Yeah, but they're not claiming it's because their career as a singer is going nowhere and they can't get work. And you know, the, well, he's not a singer. The he implication here is that he can't do anything else. He, I, I think he's being truthful there. Federal he really can't. feels it's unfair that their children have it so good living with Brittany, but are cramped during overnight visits in his tiny home. He's like, my do rag company never took off. <laughs> I just, I don't have anything anymore, man. Legal documents highlight Brittany's lavish lifestyle in a gated community on 21 acres of land with a resort-sized pool and spa, a media game room, lighted tennis court, three green golf course, and 3,500 bottles. Oh, a $3,500 bottle wine cellar, I see. Wow. Um, I don't know. Maybe you should have been nicer to a dummy. Yeah. Sounds like you would have had it really good. Maybe if you weren't such a dirtbag in the first go-round. 
Charlize Theron has signed on to play TV host Megyn Kelly in a movie about the sexual misconduct allegations aimed at former Fox News chairman Roger Ailes. Oh, no, she's they're also making a movie about hamburger balls? Hamburger ball. That should be the name of the movie. Hamburger balls coming to Netflix. The Oscar winner, who is also co-producing the as-yet-untitled movie, is the first actor announced for the project, which will feature a cast portraying Ailes and everyone else involved during his time at Fox News, including Gretchen Carlson, who sued Ailes for sexual harassment and settled for $20 million. I, I don't want to see a movie about this. Who's going to play hamburger balls? What actor? Al Pacino. <laughs> he does all the old guys now. He did Kevorkian. He did Paterno. He did Roger Ailes. <laughs> I got hamburger balls. Of course, the, we're referring to the description of his genitals by a uh, beauty contestant whom he sexually assaulted on the Mike Douglas show back in the 70s, and she described seeing his genitals as looking like they were hamburger meat. Uh. That's just gross. That'll change your lunch order today. That is just gross. That'll change your 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 barbecue for the weekend. I don't. I don't want to go into the kitchen. I never want to see a raw burger ever again. Tuesday night on the Tonight Show, race car driver Danica Patrick revealed to Jimmy Fallon, "quote I have a thing for doing things for the first time as a woman, so I'm going to be the first woman to host the ESPYS." Oh, dude! All the bros are going to hate this. Mm-hmm. The annual award show honors athletes and sports teams. It's scheduled for July 18th or one night after Major League Baseball's All-Star Game. In past years, the ESPYs have been hosted by celebs like Samuel L. Jackson, John Cena, and Drake. I don't know. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. I don't My prediction really care. is that will it will continue to suck. Yeah, it was never the greatest. Norm MacDonald hosting the ESPYs was the oh. all-time greatest because he went out and roasted everyone. He did probably at least three or four OJ jokes. To the sports crowd in the 90s. Yeah. I mean, that his opening uh, monologue was fantastic. It's like 18 minutes. It's long. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong about no, that. No, it, it was like around like, 10. It's really long, and he and it's uncomfortable for the people in attendance, but watching it is great. It's so great. But, yeah, I mean, look, I, I like the ESPYs, but hasn't it become like – a an elongated award show version of the the sports center feature where it's just nothing but tear jerkers for three hours i mean kind of i just watched uh or rather i looked at the espn magazine yesterday and i hadn't seen it in a long time and it's really well done and it's a great layout and i just don't look at magazines that much anymore and no, i wonder if people all. watch these kind of shows i don't know who the sbs are for i think just the athletes they seem to dig it, man. They all show up. Oh for yeah, it. They, especially the NBA guys. They love it. Dave Grohl let the UK version of GQ magazine document his pre-show ritual with Foo Fighters, and it involves a bunch of booze. Yep, the reporter hanging out with Grohl writes that it consists of a can of Budweiser, no sooner than an hour before stage time, then up till the moment he goes on, he'll shoot consistently staggered shots. I counted five and partook in three of Jaeger coined Rockwell oh. by Grohl. It's good for your voice, is it? Yeah, just coats it. Deer blood. Just coats your throat. It's like those melted-down root beer barrel candies. And then just minutes before stage time, he'll suck up one last Parliament light, <laughs> take two last <laughs> swigs of beer, followed by three tablets of nicotine gum. Ah, oh, man, I Dude, miss, miss P-Funks. He's going to have a massive heart attack if he keeps doing that.
Even though there are drugs, he could easily get at any show. Girl says he never has once taken cocaine, heroin, or speed. Sure, a little weed every now and again, but can you imagine me on amphetamines? I never shut up as it is. He does like jackhammer coffee. Yeah. I can't remember he's which like documentary. The it is. Muppet or, Animal. Was it the Sound City thing that they did where he's just like pounding coffee nonstop? Uh, all right. Yeah, that seems that seems like a lot to do before a show. Four or five shots? Mark Madden will be joining us uh, here shortly. There's a list uh, on this news report. It says 32 best drummers, and I don't know if this is what Dave Kroll has considered his best 32 drummers or what the readers of whatever magazine. It's just a random list of 32 drummers, which I would read to you, but without context seems kind of pointless. Like 32 much of drummers. what we do here on the DVE Morning Show. So much racism going on right now. It's crazy, Bill. What are you talking about now? Well, you had the uh, the lawyer guy that got caught on video a couple of times in New York just screaming he was going to call immigration. He's going to call ICE on people for speaking Spanish. Now, if you are speaking a different language in the United States, the authorities will be called on you depending on where you are. It's likely that they might be. Can't you just be a tourist not speaking the language anymore? No. Are you automatically assumed to have entered the country illegally? You get no benefit of the doubt. And we watched one yesterday that went viral. And it was a Hispanic guy in Texas wearing a cowboy hat screaming at an Arab in an Uber who was gumming up traffic or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so the Arab driver who was born in Texas... Uh, he's of Arab descent. He has no accent at all. He films it. I can't play it for you because it is expletive laden, but it's a Hispanic guy screaming at the Arab, speak English, which he is. This is America. Drive like an American. We have rules here, but he's doing it with a Hispanic accent. He's like, hey, bro, <laughs> learn how to drive. This is America. We speak English here, bro. Learn how to speak broken English or get out of the country, man. <laughs> See, I think this is progress. Yeah? I think racism got us into this mess, and only racism is going to get us out. <laughs> you know? This is like a, uh, a cul-de-sac. We, we're turning around now and backing out. That's right. Learn how to drive an El Camino with six passengers in the backseat <laughs> or get out of the country, man. He's like, why did you say I'm from Pakistan? I don't know. You're brown, bro. Yeah. He's like, so are you. I'm American. <laughs> Born and raised. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know, but you, you make a, a, a salient point there, Bill. It might be somehow two negatives making a positive. I don't know. Some weird you know, magnets repelling each other will somehow... Eventually create some sort of life force that will get us out of this mess. If the Mexicans are punching down, now we've <laughs> we've reached a level of like, okay, is this progress? Probably not. Yeah, but people now of Arab descent who are born in this country are like, all right, the Mexicans are coming after us now. God. But- Got to get the Chinese over here. It's- <laughs> 
we got to have somebody to punch down on. And they're short. They're so, short people. So, right. So we'll have the angle. .com. DVE Sports. All right. Mike Pursuit has got your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. And the OTAs for the Steelers uh, have everybody kind of uh, quizzically looking at what's going on out there and wondering, will this look anything like what it used to? <laughs> uh, the color scheme hasn't changed. Lo- the logo <laughs> hasn't changed. bunch of the DBs changed numbers, so there's that. Right. Got to get a roster now and relearn that stuff. And, uh, yeah, there are going to be – schematic tweaks. Uh, we learned that yesterday during OTA number one. Sports This Hour is brought to you by Sport Clips. We also learned that uh, for a day at least, Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph can peacefully coexist on the same football field. In fact, they can interact the way you would expect a, a veteran quarterback and a third-round draft pick who's trying to find his way in the National Football League would. Uh, here's Ben Roethlisberger talking about that yesterday. No, he hasn't asked me anything, but I, 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 I inputted my two cents, so I hope he was okay with it. <laughs> there, was a, there was a particular play that he ran a little naked on, and he was probably six or seven yards from Rosie, and he threw it, threw it pretty hard at Rosie, threw it high, and Rosie didn't catch it. And, you know, Rosie's kind of a, a team favorite here, so the linemen started giving him a grief and stuff. And um, I just, you know, I just pulled him aside and said, hey, listen, you'll, you'll learn quickly that you don't have to, every throw doesn't have to be the hardest throw you can make. You don't have to put every, uh, every throw like on guys' chest as hard as you can. Like, that's a great opportunity to just give him a nice, easy touch pass. So just, just trying to instill little things like that. Yeah, and by the way, Ben used to do that too. Everybody does that when they're nervous and they get in the league and they just rifle it. And you know, he, Ben's being made to explain stuff he doesn't need to talk about in order to make up for, you know, stuff he didn't need to say. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All's well that ends well. They'll survive so that. Dumb. There, there are bigger fish to fry. One of those is the run defense. And uh, toward that end, uh, the Steelers are experimenting with some. <laughs> schematic tweaks, including a departure from their traditional 3-4 look on what can be considered running downs, uh, let's say first down, for example. Here's Bud Dupree breaking down the change. It is good. Like, it's, it's just 4-3. Like, basically, it's just a 4-3. We got, so, like, two of the cam will be the DN, then one of us will be the other DN, and one of us will turn into a, a wheelbacker. On the run, we know it's going to be a run sometimes. You know, in a short yard situation, on on check down play, we'll be able to rally around the ball real fast. You know, we don't usually try to do it in a lot of password situations, just try to do it, be able to stop the run. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of different looks, uh, I'm guessing. Uh, there's different terminology. Uh, even something as simple as uh, strong safety, free safety is now right and left. At least that's what Sean Davis said it was yesterday. Um, things are changing and things should change because uh, if the Steelers perceive themselves as a team on the cusp of the Super Bowl, they don't remember last season. Went backward, not forward. And well, I, Mike, again, the defense last year in like week eight was a whole lot better than they were at the end of the year, was a whole lot better than what they're going to be to start this year. And I don't uh, know how you can sit there and think like, well, we're in better position to get to the Super Bowl this year. They had the opportunity last year. They couldn't rebound from Shazier's injury, and the secondary melted down. Uh, the defensive line had a horrible game against the Jaguars. And that's their starting point, and they're they're yep. pretty aware of that. Uh, the Jaguars uh, ran for over 200 yards in the regular season against the Steelers. They ran for a buck 64 
uh, and averaged 4.7 per carry in the playoffs. That set up the play action and made Blake Bortles look like Joe Montana. Uh, they got to start uh, with the basics. They got to start with job one. That is stopping the run. Uh, that's always the case, according to Vince Williams, but this year it's particularly the case. It's absolutely an annual starting point. You know, that's what that's the, like the, the staple of a great defense is stopping the run. I think everything works inside out, and I think you got to focus on stopping the run from the middle to the outside, and so then you focus on the pass from there. OTA number two coming up today. Uh, that was interesting yesterday. It's Look, just- if, if Big Ben and Mason Rudolph's relationship goes smash and, and they never speak to each other again, we'll always have yesterday. You got some good sound bites there that we can go back and revisit and remember the good times. Oh, remember that time when he drilled the fastball to Rosie Nix from eight yards away and it was incomplete. Ben said, "No, Mason, little touch." Those were the good old days. Pirates are in uh, Cincinnati <laughs> again tonight. Chad Cool gets the ball. He's four and two with a four point five three ERA. He'll be opposed by Homer Bailey, one and six, six point one one. Cool is. Uh, making his 10th start. He's coming off a no decision in a 5-4 to four win over the Padres last Thursday. He's 3-1 and one over his last six starts. Jamison Tyone had a pretty good start last night, except uh, the except being the fifth-inning grand slam that turned a 2-1 to one game into a 6-1 to one Reds lead. Tyone winds up falling to 2-4. and four. The ERA balloons to 4.56 after a six-inning, eight-hit, six-run effort. He walked one and struck out eight last night, so the stuff was working. Uh, it just wasn't working in the fifth inning, and that was enough to scuttle the Bucks. They're now 26-21 and 21 and have lost four consecutive games. Uh, last but not least, uh, Game 7 coming up tonight between the Washington Capitals and the Tampa Bay Lightning. The winner advances to the Stanley Cup Final against Marc-Andre Fleury and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, the stage should not be too big for the Lightning, uh, particularly at home and particularly given that they've got a lot of been there, done that guys in Game 7s. Uh, Anton Strawman, 7-1 and one in career Game 7s. Ryan McDonough, 6-1. and one. Dan Girardi, 6-2. and two. Chris Kunitz, 6-3. and three. Braden Coburn, 5-2. and two. And Ryan Callahan, 5-2. and two. And all of those guys have beaten the Caps in a Game 7 while playing for other teams. (laughs) Rangers, Penguins. Ovi's perceiving this to be the game of his life, admittedly. And uh, the Tampa guys are probably perceiving this to be another game. Does that mean anything? It might. Probably. It might. Would you rather be calm or feel all the pressure in Game 7? And if you're feeling the pressure, does that mean you're shot out of a cannon in a good way? And if you're calm, does that mean you're a little... Maybe uh, not as desperate as you need to be. It's Vasilevsky versus Versolpi. I mean, that, that's really what it's going to boil down to tonight, which is pretty, you know, rudimentary. But I really do think that it's going to be whoever has the best game between those two. I mean, sometimes, you know, it doesn't matter how good of a game you have. You're just getting peppered and killed and left with no no help defensively. But I think tonight they're both going to see. That's right, Matt Murray said. <laughs> <laughs> Something you Glad you noticed. Something Penguin fans may not have considered. We're going to. We're going to bat it around with Mark Madden here in a little bit. Should the Penguins have kept Marc-Andre Fleury instead of Matt Murray? This is a debate I haven't seen enough of. Haven't heard this. Pearl Jam. DVE. Someone posted 
clip of Pearl Jam playing at like some festival in Rotterdam right after this came out. And it was such a great performance. I mean, they were so raw and kick-ass when they first, you know, got shot out of a cannon like they did with 10. My God. They were a force to be reckoned with on stage. They're still ridiculously good. You're going to see them in Boston this weekend. No, Labor Day weekend. Oh, Labor Day weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought that was this weekend. No. Oh, God. All right. No. I thought it was Memorial Day it's weekend. Not. I was going to say. But no, all the plans, all right. the plans have fallen into place. Okay. Uh, Fenway swimming, Park. Swimmingly. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that. It'll be my last blowout before football season. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a great show. <laughs> I love Boston and I love that area. I saw Pearl Jimmy. Ken Moore. In this ballpark, when they opened for the Stones, and uh, were you with us at that Absolutely. one? Absolutely, I, I was there. You guys were up on the stage thing, right? In the stage, yeah. I was, I was just in general pop. But uh, imagine that show for a minute: Pearl Jam and the Stones. That's a pretty good lineup. Well, and the cool part it was. Have you ever see that? Oh yeah, and they let you—you you could buy seats in the stage on that tour. That was one of the weirdest things. We were about thirty feet up. I think I passed on that because I wasn't sure if you were allowed to drink up there. Yeah, and you totally were. You ha- it was it was <laughs> awesome. I wasn't going to take that chance. It was awesome, but it was also it didn't sound good. You know what I mean? Because you were behind, so you were just getting the monitor sounds like swirling up in the air. So it didn't sound great. But you did see Eddie Vet- Eddie Vetter was I can't remember which tune he did with them at that PNC Park show. He was slugging out of a bottle of wine, but they had the telephone wine with uh no, it was from. The Clemente. Oh, nice. Museum, yeah. And they had teleprompters with the lyrics on there, and Eddie was definitely forgetting the lyrics and had to, like, run back and kind of <laughs> double back and check on the lyrics again. Uh, so, anyways, Double M, Mark Madden will be in. Uh, oh, he's walking in right now. We're going to well, take a is. commercial break Hello, before we talk to you, if that's all right with you there, Super Genius. Well, I won't be appearing as Mark Madden today. What are you going to go as? I'm under my new alter ego, 105.9 Commenter. That way I can say whatever I want, but it can't be traced back to me. You know, your jealousy about this guy's talent is a bad look on you. Yeah, I'm not jealous of a guy who makes less than a third of what I do, and anybody who can write like that, God, no, no, I'm not jealous. Yeah, you know. He can talk a little bit, though. He's funnier, and uh, that guy's funnier than hell. PFT Commenter is one of the funniest guys, as far as satirical writing goes, that guy's one of the funniest guys on Twitter. This is one of the few times where I just think you sound insane. If you're one of the funniest guys on Twitter, that doesn't mean you can write. I didn't say that. I didn't say he could write. I said he he could write jokes. Oh, no, no. The, the Twitter stuff's fine, and the spoken word stuff's fine. He can't write worth a damn. Not worth a damn. <laughs> I don't think he's trying to be a writer. Well, uh, well, good, because he's got that down pat, not trying to be a writer. No, this is a bad look for you. I feel like it's a bad look. I feel no. like you're above this, and you've lowered yourself oh, down. Oh, no, I'm not above it. And, <laughs> and, and, and 105.9 Commenter certainly isn't above it. All right, well, we'll hear from 105 Commenter next. It's the DV Morning Show welcoming 105.9 Commenter. Hello. To the show. Hello. You had, before we get to that uh, little bit of pettiness on your part, in my opinion. Tom Petty. Tom Pettiness. Uh, Rest in peace. You had a writer on your show yesterday who wrote a book about Caddyshack. Right, Chris Nashawati. He wrote uh, Caddyshack, The Making of an American Success Story. Or what was the Bill Murray line? Uh, oh, Cinderella Story. The Making Jeez. of a American Cinderella Story. Okay. Um, that was a really fun interview. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was better than sports, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, what did he think about Murray versus Flurry? 
<laughs> Bill <laughs> Murray. <laughs> he seemed to prefer Bill Murray. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Although Caddyshack would have had Flurry, it would have been much better. Right. Should've. Would have drawn a lot more money. Uh, it is a Cinderella story. Not uh, one director would have saved, would have took Flurry over Murray. Not one. That's right. I mean, think of all the Murrays throughout time we could have substituted Flurry for, and, and it would have been better. And Murray? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you needed me. Murray Langston, the unknown comic? There you go. What's this? My impersonation of the first man on the sun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Murray Flurry thing, it, it's been dragged out. Now you got... Ron Cook wrote in the Post-Gazette today that, that Kessel's relationship with Sullivan damaged the team. The, the, the reality with that is, I wrote this 10 days ago in the Trib, no coach is going to like coaching Phil Kessel. He doesn't hit, he doesn't block shots, he plays the game his own way, and that's going to frustrate any coach. But he had 93 points, so you live with it. Now, sh- should he have taken a couple games off to get ready for the playoffs and, and screw the consecutive game streak? Yeah, he should have. But the coach can make you do that, too. And the coach didn't. Yeah, I thought much was being made about that, and I didn't realize that he'd actually played a lot of minutes in those games. I thought for some reason he just kind of like was in the lineup and didn't play the one uh, on the last game and the one before that. I thought he only played a, a, no, a he, select he a few shifts. Played his regular shift throughout the throughout the uh, end of the season. Well, that seems dumb. But Jason uh, Mackey wrote that article, basically asking the question: Was he hurt or not? Like wh- we don't know. Well, they I mean, said Rutherford it was nothing said, yeah. serious. Sullivan said nothing serious. Nothing significant. Which yeah. kind of which kind of threw Kessel under the bus? But I thought it was Rutherford who said, "I can tell you that it was nothing significant." I'll no, tell no, no. you that. No, no, no. Sullivan said that. Sullivan and he said, "I'll tell you that," which was really putting a, a emphasis on yes. it's nothing serious. Yeah. I'll tell you that. But Rutherford said injuries affected him, so it. You know, I, Rutherford I, said he, he was bothered by stuff yes. all year and it caught up. to I him. I don't think it matters. I mean. I just think it's ridiculous. This goes for any sports town, I'm sure, that when you know the team wins two championships and finally doesn't win a championship, then we have to blame somebody. I mean, why does that have to be somebody's fault? I, I keep reading this guy was a liability, that guy's a liability, and these are all guys who have their name on the Stanley Cup at least a couple times. Hot take here. Uh, I think that you're responsible for keeping this alive, and people aren't really bitching, and they're totally happy, and they understand that uh, they've got a pretty good run, and nobody's That's complaining. That's not what Twitter says. That, well, because you keep stirring the pot. You are Look, you're the Pied Piper of Penn's petulance. Well, and the Pirate Boycott. to say boycott. that five times fast. And the Pirate Boycott. And well, yes, you are the you, you are the author of the pirate boycott, of course. Which again, congratulations, very successful. You know, so far. Uh, uh, it's going first great. off, there is no boycott. Second you off, started one, and I am going to the game a week from today to lead the boycott. To pr- I will be leading the boycott from my spot in the Cambria Club, right? Schlepping right. down booze and and gourmet food with a ticket you didn't pay for. No, no, I paid for it. Oh, you did pay for it. Oh, yeah. Look, they're really lining up to give me free stuff, Randall. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> now you gave me the free tickets personally. Now, the reason you're going, Billy again, is, is UFO playing in, the, like, the God Bless America or something? <laughs> no, they're playing after the yeah, game in they, center field. Is that is a Sky <laughs> Blast when, with remember UFO? Remember when, remember when Skinner did that? I don't remember Skinner. Yeah, Skinner. It. Skinner. I think Journey did it once too, didn't they? No, I don't think they get names that big. Maybe I think may, it was Bond Journey. Sk- Skinner. <laughs> very good. <laughs> Skinner definitely did it. I, I, I'm sure that's true. I don't. I don't remember. I remember. Maybe Huey, it was an alternate Skinner. Maybe Artemis Powell's. Yeah, it might have been like Artemis Powell. No, it was. It was the Leonard Skinner. Seriously. 
he uh, got kicked out of that band uh, with good reason, actually. Yeah, wasn't he sleeping with his stepdaughter or something like that? Yeah, he's a, uh, what do you call, pedophile. Yeah, you don't want one of those in your band. Um, <laughs> well, he did plea bargain to a lesser charge. And he lied about what happened after the the plane crash. He went on on camera. On he said the, he like dragged people away from the plane crash, <laughs> he right? He said he was all, did all these heroic no, things. No, he He didn't. never did any of them. Oh. Are you sure about that? Uh, he never did any of them? I'm not sure about that. But Who said he never did any of them? Because I, I, I thought it was confirmed that he did. Uh, well, then why did he catch hell for it? If it wasn't him that made it up, somebody made up stuff about what happened after that fire. Or after that plane crash, I'm sorry. I don't know. It's, I mean, almost everybody on the plane is dead now. I mean, even the ones who didn't die then, like the body count with Leonard Skinner is unbelievable. Even the guys who replaced the dead guys are dead now. I know. They're like on their fourth base player. Oh, I know. They had like half the outlaws touring with them there for a while, <laughs> where they were just like, just, just, just be at the ready, boys. No, no, no it was, it was, at the, it was the Southern Rock All Stars. It was Huey Thomason. It was Rick, Ricky Medlock still in the Ricky band. Ricky Medlock, yep. You know, it, it, but they're still pretty good. I, I have no doubt. Uh, that notwithstanding, all right, let's go back to. I'm the, going to their last show ever. You know, let's go. Uh, when is it? Labor Day in Atlanta. That's your last show ever. Play it pretty for Atlanta. Yep, I'm going to be there. That's that's cool. So, why do you hate PFT Commenter? I don't hate him. I'm not going to talk about it. You are going to talk about no, it. No, I'm not. You already have. No, I, I, I have in my guise as 105.9 commenter, which I'm not assuming now. Can I uh, ask 105.9 commenter a question? One question. All right. Why do you hate PFT commenter? I don't hate PFT commenter. <laughs> I, I, think, I think his spoken stuff, like the podcast. The he's, he's hilarious. On, he's, he's hilarious on your show. Yeah. You know, but, but he can't write worth a lick. I don't think he's trying to be and the, uh, the Grantlin Rice. The notion that he can say whatever he wants and not be accountable <laughs> because he's under a, under a guise is absurd. Uh, no, that's not really what the guise was. Uh, I don't know. You, you, so what you take umbrage with is the guise. You don't like the alter ego. That's what. That's oh, no, what, no. I don't mind the alter ego. I just think he had, I, I just think that the real man has to assume accountability for what the alter ego says. He does, though. He doesn't apologize for anything he says. Uh, the 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 crux of that Deadspin article seemed to me to be that he didn't have to answer for any of uh, the his parent company Barstool's misgivings. The stuff where they have. Oh, no, I agree with that. He doesn't. Yeah, well, I know, we've, but we've talked far too long about a guy who gets paid in gift coupons. Can't we move on? No, because he's that popular. It's that big of a deal. Well, maybe someday he'll make money from it. God he, bless him. When I he think does. he does a lot better I, than I you know think. he does. I okay. know there's a lot. How do you know? Because I know. I mean, I'm not saying he makes because I am astute. I don't. I'm not saying he makes Mark Madden business. money, but I'm saying he might make. He definitely doesn't make Randy Bauman money. And he might make 105.9 commenter money. Hmm. He might. He might do that. That's an interesting take. Yes. Now, is that you I'm, saying it, or is it 102.5 DVE commenter? We'll never know. Dueling commenters. Did I don't know. I, just, I, think, I, 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 I think that, uh, that he is more in the line of the kind of comedy that you like. He is a lot more Doug Kenny uh, I, than I he is Kenny I have said many Maine. times, in fact, just on this show moments ago, that he is great when he speaks. Mm-hmm. The podcast stuff, the little I've heard, is excellent. The other guy, Big Cat's very good. The uh, when he's on your show, I think it's great. Yeah, they're both he, great. He can't write worth a damn. And, and the notion. Do you that, think he wants to be a sports writer? I'm, I'm get. I'm. Well, no, but he should be better than that. If he's going to write with a professional quote unquote blog, he should be better than that. But it's a satirical blog that takes aim at the people who are horrible at writing okay, blogs. And that's good twice a year. Okay, okay if, so if that, you, now, if now write, we're talking write, about the subjective write, nature of comedy. A, if you write a blog all the time based on showing how bad other writers are, you're one of those bad writers. 
Well, that's all right. That's that's your take on it. I, I no, that's the truth. Saying. Actually, yeah. yeah, I've read one of those. I didn't. I had no idea what he did. Yeah, he's, he's and, a bad writer. It, if someone is writing satirically, was, I didn't know it was being written satirically. I just thought this guy's a moron. Right. That's, and I stopped reading it about a third of the way That's what he through. wants you to think. Yeah. Well, but I didn't, well, well, if that's the case, mission accomplished. Brilliant yeah. stuff. Right. Okay. There What's you go. The we agree. There? We right, agree. Right, where, right. That's right. I agree with Pursuta. If, if, if you're writing intentionally bad to parody those who write intentionally bad and it's not funny... And that's part of the joke. There is no joke. So when people there just do, is no joke so when there. Pittsburgh dad does a Yinzer accent and he is uh, full of malaprops, then that's not funny to you because it doesn't exactly okay. right. All right, that stopped being right. funny about video number two. Paulson and Cren for years. The, the, those characters. I mean, they're based on. You know, uh, yeah, a caricature they had, of they, they, they had more than one character, Andy. Well. Again, he is making fun of all of those people on the web. No, 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 he's making, but he's distilled it down into one version, and it's not funny. Okay, see, then, and that's subjective, and that's fair. You can find it not funny, but it's just I'm trying to make sure you understand what he's the trying to do. Of stuff when you say he's not a great writer, it's like, stuff, well, he's not. He's not a great writer. The kind of stuff he does will never go mainstream ever. He's already mainstream. No, Barstool is huge. It's not mainstream. It's not the sports media. You want you it, keep it, saying it, it's bro talk, it's frat. Oh, boy I'm gibberish. not saying that uh, that Dan and uh, and uh, and PFT aren't the it's stars frat, it's of frat, the show. It's frat boy they, gibberish. They definitely are. It's it, frat boy gibberish. Yeah, it's got a pretty big following. And, and the guy who runs it usurps every dime, and usurps most of the credit. I could never work for that guy. That's where I do feel bad for PFT commenter and Big Cat because they're being exploited. By a guy who I'm sure promises them a lot and doesn't deliver to them. Oh, I can't speak to any of that. I think those dudes are funny. I think part of my take is really funny, and uh, they make me laugh all the time. Uh, but they're funny when they speak, yes. Yeah. And I've always given those guys credit for that. Who wins tonight? <laughs> Who's playing tonight? Oh. Uh, Capitals that, That's a tough one. That's and, a t- <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, That's a tough one. Uh I, I was speaking with with a with a hockey expert last night. Who was it? I forget actually because I speak with so many. I believe it was uh, the hockey news commenter, and, <laughs> and he pointed out that he expects Tampa to win tonight, but he thinks Washington would have a better chance against Vegas. He thinks it's going to take star power to beat Vegas because you know Vegas is a team team, and maybe Tampa Bay won't play as good being a team team because Kucherov has not had a great playoff. He has not been the star his regular season statistics. Uh, suggest he should be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think Tampa's probably going to win, and I think that gives Vegas a better chance to win. I agree. Uh, I hope Tampa wins. Why? It's Screw Washington? Up. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be best tomorrow- case scenario for me. I don't care who wins the final then. Tomorrow would be funny, funny day to work with if Washington loses. Because they'd go down like Mia Khalifa. That's that's one oh five nine commenter that said that. All right, well, direct all <laughs> criticism to one oh five nine commenter, yes. One oh five nine commenter. My favorite. So if they video if they asked hers. you to be on part of my take podcast, would you go? Uh yeah. Okay. Why well, are they gonna? Yeah. PFT. Well, I'll I'm gonna send them a a note. They should have you on. It would be great it would be great uh podcast. Right. <laughs> you can't call it radio. I was gonna say it'd be great right. radio. It'd be well, great. Stream one one thing I'm sure you'll agree with like the success of their podcast and it's well you know it's well deserved whoever you know those numbers don't lie no they're funny it's a lot easier to do it once a week three times they do it three times yeah really mm-hmm. well then it's funnier <laughs> no it's harder 
It's hard. Like like that's the there was a there was a guy in Pittsburgh radio. He works full time now, and he's actually pretty good now. Uh, but Farrell? He, 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 no. Farrell? No, no. He started doing Farrell. weekends, and then he got full time. And I Rush said Limbaugh. to him, I said to him, it's a lot harder doing it every day. And he called me like a week. I said, boy, it's a lot harder doing it every day. Well, that's what I always thought. I was- thought that was a private call. <laughs> I didn't say what was. It was. It was 93.7 commenter. I always thought that was so great about Rome, and people would get pissed at Jim Rome. And I always thought what made him so great was how he was able to fill all that time, even on days when there wasn't a lot. He would say the same thing over five different ways, over, right. but it was the same thing. Well, you got you got to recycle to some degree, don't you think? Right, and there's an art to it to making it not sound stale. And I always thought he was great at it, but I understand that, that style can be grating on people. You know what my art is? I do one show from three till four till five, then greatest hits from five till six. No, your great uh, uh, talent is you start a bunch of BS and then complain that there's all this BS, and you're the one who starts the fire, and you complain that that's there's a fire. True. That's just You're the true. arsonist who complains I, it's too hot. I, I didn't start the fire, but that's what they said about Billy Joel. It is. Uh, no, I, I, I reflect the fire. I am the, the great reflector. No, you are the great arsonist. Ooh, reflecting. I'm the great reflector. <laughs> no, that's, still yes. that's not true. I, I, for example, I did, start, I did not start the Murray Flurry debate. Uh, but there were not a lot of people saying it. it, it oh, it, yeah, there were. Yeah, there were. Yeah, there were. I refuse to believe that people are pissed. That- well, you're in a slightly different Twitterverse than I am. That's too. for sure. In my in my Twitterverse, that was a huge topic. Okay, I uh, I don't discount that. You seem it- to be in the uh, low end of the pool there. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Well, this is I'm in my seventh week now of not responding to the hoi polloi, and I feel you- so much better for for doing that. And that's a lie because you totally respond. To no, that. no, I respond to people I know. Okay, people I follow. I respond to. No, no, that's come on. That's different. I don't respond to the. That's fair. To, to the citizens. Well, the I told Mike to do that a long time ahoy ago. Ahoy. You can have a setting that only allows you to see the people who follow you. Mute. Or, or, yeah. Well, no. Like you literally won't see somebody's comment to you unless you follow them back. Or if I don't look at it. Or if you just don't go into your mentions at all. Yeah, like, I, I that think blue thing comes on where it says you have mentions. If you click on it and then click right off it, it goes it goes away. away. I think I think a little Twitter goes a long way. Don't you? Definitely. A lot of people say that about this segment. Yeah, I don't blame them. Yeah, me neither. Not today, especially. No, today's gone very long. I thought the PF. I thought the one hundred five nine commenter stuff was good though. Yeah, so it really was. You should have him Solid. back. No, it wasn't. It wasn't even good. Captivating again. Captivating and enthralling. No, delightful. No, I didn't find it funny. How do you measure yourself against we, we, we other all, bloggers? We all have our opinions. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love the one hundred five nine commenters writing. I think mean, he's a great You're writer. talking not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see your point. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even talk about George LaRock. Oh, he went after you. Oh, not no, me. he went after uh, the Pens. He went after the Penguins in Rutherford. Oh, yeah, he said if they would have kept... He said, Ryan Reeves, if they would have kept you, they would have beaten Washington. Give Rutherford tickets to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, Rutherford and his three rings is really jealous of a couple goons who don't have a ring between them. Do you call him Junior? That made me laugh. Yeah, I called... Oh, LaRock was an ass. When he was here, the dressing room was overjoyed to see the back of him when he left. Just a total <laughs> ass. He, he was a goon who played the star. And, and he, all he was was a goon. you want to go? Just a goon. Good luck. I just good, liked pretty good fighter though. I liked how he talked yeah. to, to Potash. He's the one who called him Dempotash. He was a dink. Dink. What's a dink? 
It's one letter different. <laughs> you stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.